It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Are you searching for the best in online black radio? Then go to blacktalkradionetwork.com, helping you filter through the noise. Real talk, black talk. Context of white supremacy, gusty renegade, and justice in for another program to share constructive information on the global system of racism, white supremacy. Uh, thank you for tuning into the program. Uh, we'll be broadcasting every day for this month, so hopefully 
lots of constructive information. Uh, this program, as I tell folks, you know, pay attention, uh, read the newspapers, watch the news, try to get as much access to information as possible. Um, definitely scrutinize what's written because a lot of things are printed that are not accurate. So scrutinize, read, and try to just be as informed as you possibly can. I think our guest would, would second that. Um, this program uh, came about just paying attention to the news. Uh, I was keeping up, trying to uh, stay informed, and I saw that one of the admitted racists who uh, has been sentenced to die in the execution of Mr. James Byrd Jr., uh, one of these white men, uh, Mr. Lawrence Brewer, uh, he has been scheduled for execution in September of this year, September of 2011. And uh, just, you know, the infamous James Byrd Jr. case, um, Jasper, Texas, June 7th, 1998. Uh, dragged to death uh, by three white men, uh, two of them known white supremacists. Uh, lots of material on uh, what happened in this case. Um, they were all convicted. Two of them got the death penalty. One of them got a uh, life prison sentence, and he's eligible for parole in 2038, according to reports that I've seen. Um, our guest uh, he very informed about this case, uh, has spent a great deal of time and energy uh, working against the system of white supremacy, and uh, he spent some time involved in this case. I'm um, looking at a report. This is from July 2nd, 2002. The title of the report, Dick Gregory and Martin Luther King III to hold silent vigil with son of dragging murder victim. I'm skipping down a little bit just to read some of the commentary. Uh, Mr. Gregory uh, is quoted as saying, The purpose of the 24-hour prayer vigil for John King is to simply ask that his life be spared. We stand with the son in the dignity of his request to forgive and show compassion in a spiritual way. James Byrd Jr. was a man, a son, a husband, father, brother, and friend, lost forever to those who loved him, lost in a most brutal and particularly heinous way. Mr. Byrd's death rocked Jasper, Texas. His death shocked Americans and shocked the world. Many of us could never imagine a valid reason for his death, including the hate of an avowed white supremacist. The Bible says that there is nothing that a man can ever do that God cannot undo in due time. It also states that whatever two or more are gathered in my name, therefore I am in the midst of you. I actually want to pause really quick because uh, we lost our guest. I want him to hear uh, me reading the article. We should be uh, bringing him back on the line. Sure, that's the second time. That's part of what caused the delay in the program. This is the second time that uh, we've lost him, so could be some uh, racist interference. Let's see if we have him back on the line. Okay, should be ringing. I'm glad you, Big Greg. Yes, sir. Second time it Hello? happened. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? <laughs> I hear you good. Yes. Okay. We can hear you clear too. Uh, I was I was reading the okay. report. Um, we're on live now. I was reading the report uh, that was July second, 
uh, 2002. It was talking about you and Martin Luther King III uh, holding a silent vigil for the son of uh, the dragging murder victim, James Byrd Jr. And uh, I'll just I'll read the quick passages so you'll know what I read to them. Uh, they quoted you as saying, yeah, okay. the purpose of the 24-hour prayer vigil for John King is to simply ask that his life be spared. We stand with the son in the dignity of his request to forgive and show compassion in a spiritual way. James Byrd Jr. was a man, a son, husband, father, brother, and friend, lost forever to those who loved him, lost in a most brutal and particularly heinous way. Mr. Byrd's death rocked Jasper, Texas. His death shocked Americans and shocked the world. Many of us could never imagine. Oh, I think we uh, lost Mr. Gregory again. I'm not sure uh, what the problem is. I'm going to try to dial him back right now. Um, <laughs> man, it's uh, difficult work. Hang on one second. I'm going to try and dial him back. Should be good to go now. Hopefully we can try it again. Um, thank okay. you so much for and your if, patience, sir. I appreciate happen, it. I'll call you back. Yeah, thank you so much, brother. All right. So, uh, again, our guest is <laughs> trying to get, hopefully we'll be good to go now. Uh, internationally uh, renowned activist, author, entertainer, uh, Mr. Dick Gregory. Um, again, I wanted to have you on the program. I know you are very familiar with the case of Mr. James Byrd Jr. Yeah. Uh, before we get into some of your views around that, uh, there's anything that you would like to say, uh, share with our audience about this case, uh, about Mr. Byrd and what happened to no, him? No, it, it, it really has nothing to do with that case. I don't understand this day how people that call themselves Christians can cry over the crucifixion of Christ but be for capital punishment. I mean, do they not know that Jesus Christ was killed by the state? <laughs> he wasn't mugged to death or run down by some drunken chariot driver. The state killed Jesus Christ. So to sit around and say, were you there when they crucified the Lord? That's a cheap song to sing. 2,000 years later, you wasn't there then, and most folks wouldn't be there now. And so if you can moan over Christ being crucified by the state and be for capital punishment, that means if Jesus Christ came back to America today and bugged the wrong people, they'd give him the electric chair. Then all of us Christians be walking around with big chairs around our neck. How do you make the sign of the chair? Wow. So... I guess you you are totally opposed to um, the death penalty. I'm the, I'm the, I'm opposed to killing. And when the state look, I have ten children. Wouldn't it be funny if I tell my children not to kill, but I kill? The state. If the state can kill, why wouldn't everybody feel like I'm doing what the state is doing? Hmm? I mean, I have a problem when I read the Bible. What Jesus Christ said to the Jews, kill your your good calf and put the blood on the, and I will bypass you. Well, I didn't know God was in the killing business. 
pass over. You put you you cover this here, I'll pass over your house. You know, I'll kill their firstborn. No, no, you're in the killing business. Kill them all. I don't like none of them. And so, you know, you have this conflict. And 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 so, you know, I'm saying killing in any form is what, look. I'll be 80 years old my next birthday. If there was a Constitution amendment that said that there's a war going on and all Americans up to the year 80, the age 82, have to go or the crime, if you don't go, would be punished by death, I wouldn't run to Canada. I would walk in there and make sure they put a new fuse in. I'm not killing nobody especially for a bunch of thugs that's going to send you out to kill somebody you don't even know. And then when these soldiers come back home, they may like they didn't know where they got Agent Orange. Well, if you send me to Vietnam and I don't have Agent Orange before I leave, but I have it when I come back, that's the way the people in charge look at somebody that's willing to interrupt their life and go murder somebody. And kill somebody, you know. When I look at when I look at 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 at, at all the the wars, the wars, the wars that 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 we have had, and they just get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I feel bad that when I go to a peace rally and get on the plane and buy my ticket, they take my tax money and help build their bombs to drop on women and children. So when the bombs start falling on my wife and my grandchildren and my children, I hope God give me enough strength to say, hey, baby, I understand it. It's coming back to me when I put on other folks. Do you see with this case in particular uh, where these white men and two of them admitted white supremacists, uh, they drug this man to death, uh, what do you think? the correct thing to do. Uh, well, first, let me, let me just stop you there and then we can, then redo that. We have to leave white supremacists out of it unless we're going to go back and get Abraham Lincoln was a white supremacist. Abraham Lincoln admitted he was a white supremacist. Where he came from in Illinois, white supremacist reigned supreme. He said, I don't believe the Negro is equal to the white. I just don't believe they should be enslaved. I don't believe that they should work and not be paid. That was all he was saying. He had the same views as white supremacy, except that Christian part of him saying, you know, uh, slavery is wrong. Not to make them feel inferior to us or believe them. That's not wrong. But to enslave them and make them work for free. And so that, that, that's what America is built on, white supremacy. And and most white folks don't even know what white supremacy is, and most black folks think white supremacy is the Ku Klux Klan. No, see, white in America is not a color; it's an attitude. And if you ain't got trillions of dollars in the bank, you can't have the attitude. And so when you stop and think about, you know, that Queen Elizabeth made three hundred and sixty million dollars every twenty-four hours just interest on her money. Now them be white folks. And the white folks that we we blame all this on, they couldn't help us if they liked us. I mean, I'm living in a country where a white man 
took a white woman and called her a witch and could burn her at the stake. Didn't even need no trial. So this didn't just start. Who was these white women they was burned? It was the type of white women that could have ran a Harvard or Yale or MIT or Ford Motor or Bo- had they been invented. And so it, it ain't like this country was good and then got bad. It's always been filthy and shameful. And so, and, 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 and so I don't believe it's too late to clean it up, but if we plan on it, we better do it quick and do it fast because recess is just about over. So now let me go back to the question you were asking me. I just wanted to deviate to that to talk about white supremacy. Hello. Yes, sir. Can I be heard? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, that is very interesting because um, at least to the reports that I've seen, uh, two of these gentlemen were known white supremacists, and they well, spray painted. Let me say this here. Yes, see, sir. For me to say I'm a known millionaire, huh? What does that mean, huh? You can say any. I'm just telling you, white supremacists. Huh? These are the, the the powerful, rich white folks that have always run this planet. They determine what you're going to eat. They determine the chemicals in your food. They determine the chemicals in your water. They determine that they children are not going to water. The Ku Klux Klan don't have the power to do that. The white supremacy don't have the power to do that. Just because they call themselves white supremacists, it's like a bunch of welfare mothers going to call themselves Trillionaires, what does that mean? And then we just take their word for it. <laughs> it, it. It don't work that way. You you have to have, let me say, if any white folks is listening to me now, let me tell you how you know if you white. If you can pick up the phone tomorrow and call Wall Street and while you're talking determine that the prime going to go up or come down, if you can't do that, you're not white. And I say it again, white ain't a color, it's an attitude. And you have to have trillions of dollars in the bank. The people that run the planet through white, they don't work. They've never had a job (laughs) at all. And so that's what this is about. So you can call yourself anything. I can call myself an Irish Catholic. (laughs) And if you're silly enough to believe I'm an Irish Catholic, that's on you whole lots of people say things, you know, to build themselves up or to make themselves seem bigger than they are. The Ku Klux Klan ain't nothing but a bunch of uncouth, evil, unchristian, ungodly, and the the white supremacy is worse than them. The sad part about it is the Klan don't know it. That's how the South lost the Civil War. You see, most folks don't know why that war was so brutal, because all the people in charge on both sides, went to the same school. They all went to West Point. (laughs) They all had the same teachers. They were all trained war strategy. And then when they split, you had the Union soldiers that had been to West Point, and you had the the, the Confederate soldiers. And the reason the Confederate soldiers lost the war, Robert E. Lee was a brilliant, brilliant war strategist, except his Christianity got in his way, and he really believed that God 
meant the Negro to be inferior and that God was on the side of the South to deal with these folks that's trying to free these 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 unhuman people. And so he went into battle with his brilliant mind that looked at strategies that he knew couldn't win, but he thought God was giving him some extra power to keep white folks supreme. And he'd lose battle after battle. And so and, and, and so again, you know, the Ku Klux Klan who called they said white, they can't determine the troops that's coming home, a black man's deciding that now. Huh? They have no authority over that. They didn't decide that the missile program, they didn't decide that the space program is going to end. There's powerful human beings. And so, and, and, and so when you stop and think about, you know, this planet, I keep asking myself, what is it? There are no atheists on death row. Ain't that scary? What is it about people who don't believe in God, don't kill folks? That's really scary. And so when you stop and think, killing is bad, but I don't have to say that. Soldiers come home with all kinds of sicknesses, all kinds of nightmares. Some of them kill their family. Some of them kill themselves. 42% of all homeless people in the streets in America today are veterans. Huh? They wasn't, they wasn't homeless before they left. They didn't have mental problems before they left. You can't kill people over and over and over and think it's not going to affect you. It will. And that's what we look at. Sad to see these soldiers coming home, living in the street, can't get proper care, come back with Agent Orange, and the, and, and the government fought them for years. Oh, no, we, we had nothing to do with that. You didn't get them to Vietnam. Well, I didn't have it before I went there. context of white supremacy again our guest mr dick gregory um my co-host she has some questions uh, about sure. this case as well with mr bird uh justice if you have some questions for mr gregory your line should be open uh please feel free Uh, Justice, if you're uh, see not hearing you, if you're if you uh, have some questions, your line should be open. I can hear you. I just was hearing nobody talking. <laughs> what kind of telephone system do you all have? And do it work like this all the time? <laughs> no, we uh, well, I mean, we do have problems, but I've never had this many difficulties and drop calls and um, difficulties with the line as well. This is uh, a little unusual. When I get off, I'm going to call my my crack friends and ask them, have they ever called the crack house and had problems with the phone? <laughs> <laughs> have they ever called the whole house and had trouble with the phone? <laughs> have they ever called the liquor store and had trouble with the phone? It's sort of like, you know, uh, this, this Ebola that was sweeping Europe two weeks ago and all those folks died in, in Germany and and then the Germans said, no, it came from cucumbers in Spain, and, and Spain uh, was losing $155 million a day because Europe was boycotting all of their product. 
and then the German said, oh, no, we made a mistake. It, it, it's coming from uh, seeds. Uh, it, it, it's, it's coming from uh, organic seeds. And they said, oh, no, it, it's not. A, and I just say, have you ever heard of a bad shipment of cocaine that had to be recalled? Have you, have you ever heard of a bad shipment of Budweiser beer that had to be recalled? What, what is it? You ever heard of a bad shipment of guns that had to be recalled? So maybe children are right when they say, Mommy, I don't want no vegetables. <laughs> it's, uh, I, I blame white people for this, too, um, particularly with the subject matter. Um, I think this is a, a very... Um, very important case, and I think, uh, I mean, directly, I mean, I don't think you can get more uh, ugly uh, in terms of an example or an illustration uh, of racist conduct, racist white supremacist conduct. Um, I guess I'm, I'm still trying to get her line open. Justice, if you're out there, if you want to switch and call the free HD line, uh, we can try that. I'm not sure. And what... While we're waiting on her, can I ask you a question? Yes, sir. If Dudley Jabo Jones, that's his name, okay, came to Seattle, Washington today and went into the Hilton Hotel, Negro, and killed 35 white folks. Uh, do you think he'd get the electric chair? If he's caught, I'm pretty certain. No, no, I'm, he's caught. He didn't even get out the building. Oh, okay. Yeah, oh, yeah, for sure. I didn't no, ask I'm, if he was caught. No doubt in my mind. No doubt right. in my mind. He would get the electric chair. All right. Now, if Prince Charles's son came to Seattle tonight and got high on coke and killed fifty-five white people at the Hilton Hotel, you think he would get the electric chair? Depends. I'm not sure. I'm not as certain. I'm not as you certain. You really as that naive to believe that Queen Elizabeth's grandson? would end up in the electric chair. You really believe that, huh? I said I'm not as certain as I would be if it's a black person. Like, I have no, no, no doubt. I didn't ask, no, no, I didn't ask that. Mm-hmm. I didn't ask to be certain. I'm asking you a question. I'm 80 years old. I've been all over this planet. You know damn good and well Queen Elizabeth's grandson is not going to get the electric chair, okay? They'll find somebody, oh, he was drinking at the bar. It was the bar, it was his drinking, you know? When have you ever heard of a multi-millionaire, billionaire getting electric chair anywhere in the world? Huh? Have you? I'm not aware of that, but I'm sure it could happen. Okay. Okay, I actually wanted to ask the question. <laughs> yeah, I, I totally understand your point. It's just I suspect that there could be another more powerful white person. That could be, you know, so... But I totally understand your point. I totally understand. I'm gonna say point. this again. You see, mm-hmm. if I'm taking your questions and curve them so I can answer, I said if he comes to the Hilton Hotel, okay, all right, and kill 54 white folks, huh? Do you believe he would get the electric chair, huh? And you answered. You answered honestly and truly. Yes, I answered honestly. I don't know. But you live, a in a, person, you live in yeah. a pipe. No, I didn't ask you about black. I'm asking you about this white boy. Huh? Okay. Yes, sir. You have yes, no sir. doubt that if the brothers did it, he'd go to the electric chair. Absolutely. All I'm trying to say is how 
can we be for capital punishment when ain't nobody going to get it but us? And I'm not just talking about black, I'm talking about poor folks. Rich billionaires do. I don't know how old you are. Do you remember when that DuPont boy killed all them people, them Olympic people on his farm and videotaped it? And they found him temporary insane. You know why they had to find him temporary insane? Because had they found him insane, he would have lost the power to have power over his billions. But he was temporary insane when he did it. But now he's all right, huh? Mm -hmm. Wow. (laughs) I believe my uh, co-host, she is here now. Her line should be working. Uh, Justin, you want to try it again? Your line should be open. Can I be heard now? Yeah, I hear you. Okay, uh, greetings, uh, Mr. Gregory. Greetings to you, and God bless you and the family and all your listeners. What What are your thoughts on James Byrd getting mistreated by these white people that I that I think are racist white supremacists? What are my thoughts of it? My thoughts in, 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 in James Byrd. Do you know how long white folks been lynching black folks? What I didn't know is more black men was lynched over black women than white women when you start doing the research. But it has nothing to do with that. If they weren't racist, would that make it better? If, if, if some folks came down from up north, Harvard graduates, and murdered somebody, would that make it different? Or is it something about a racist killing somebody that's different than a non-racist killing somebody? There's no difference. Murder is murder. The way he was killed, you know what? Let me tell you, a person can be killed tonight. And we say, oh, my God. A person can be killed tonight, and five months later they find the body, chopped up in 50 different sections, castrated, woman breast cut off, and the world is shocked. Most folks don't give a damn about you dying. It's the way you die. And then we have to get upset. So I don't have no difference. Let me tell you, when I came down to that jail, I called Martin Luther King III, and we got in touch with James Byrd's son, and we met with him and told him what we were going to do. And I asked him, I said, the night that your father was lynched, castrated, and, and, and drugged down the street, and his head came off. I said, where were you that night? I was in Camp Lejeune. I said, what were you doing? He said, I just joined the Marines. Mm-hmm. When I got the, the words, I said, then what happened? He said, well, they gave me a pass to go to my father's funeral. And I said, what happened after that? Then I went back to Camp Lejeune, finished my basic training, and then went to, to, to Iraq. Huh? Huh? And I said, well, we are saying that killing is wrong under any circumstance. And we would like to know if you would like to join us and sit at this prayer vigil to say we protest against capital punishment, against the United States government. Do you know we're the only country in what they call the civilized world that still have capital punishment? 
know, that don't seem to bother Americans. You know, but we think we're so sophisticated and so spiritual and so Christian. <laughs> but we're the only major country that has capital punishment. And it's just something's wrong with that. Why would you want to protect or defend these three racist I'm not going to answer that question. Miss, 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 miss. I'm not going to answer that question. That's an insult to me. I've already told you, you can be for capital punishment. Look, I'm a vegetarian, okay? And I would resent you saying, why wouldn't you want to eat meat? Huh? You, I've already told you how I feel. If you for capital punishment, I wouldn't ask you, why would you want to see somebody killed? That's your views, and you have no problem with crushing me about my views. But don't ask me, why would I? This ain't something I just got into. I have ten children. If they killed all ten of my children, I still would be against capital punishment, okay? Now, if you have some questions you want to ask me, I don't have no problem with that. But if you for capital punishment, then if you want to express that, I'll shut up and let you talk. I don't have no problem. Look, I don't believe animals should be killed. I have no problems. Would you eat meat or whatever you want? That's you. I'm saying how I feel, and there's a whole lot of people on this planet that feel this way. There's a whole lot of people that believe in God that don't believe killing can be justified in any way. So I don't have no problem with you or anybody else feeling that way. Have no problem whatsoever. But don't ask me an insulting question about me, I'm 80 years old. I put my life on the line. I've had five people murdered that do research for me. And I, you going to ask me to explain to you? I don't even understand what you're saying, miss, in no shape, form, or fashion. It'd be different if I'm trying to hide the fact that, 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 that I'm, I'm, I'm against capital punishment and you got to talk to me to get it out of me. But the whole world that know me know. When I'm in the civil rights movement with my wife and family on the front line, and we knew we could be killed, and that movement, that's the beautiful thing about that civil rights movement, we was willing to die but not to kill. And that's how we won. That's how we won. And so we weren't trying to convince people. We didn't say, put down your gun and come join us. I'm a vegetarian. I would never knock a pork chop out your hand. Please don't knock no turnip out of mine. Whatever you want to do, that's you. They have people that teach people and all of that. When I looked around and saw the things that was happening in the movement, when we marching down the street and know we're going to die, and we kept marching and kept singing. And there's never been a movement in the history of the planet that had liberated. Do you realize before that civil rights movement that the world watched? Do you realize in America a woman couldn't be a cop because of us willing to die, not kill? You have women in America now heading police departments in major cities heading narcotics departments, heading, heading homicide departments. And, and before 
that movement, every women's penitentiary in America, Warden was a man. Can you imagine some of the filthy things was happening to them? There's not a women's penitentiary in America today, today, that don't have a woman running. Matter of fact, they got some women in America running men's penitentiaries. When I went down to Mississippi, I was so scared and nervous and, and knew I could be killed, but I went anyway. And nobody could have told me 45 years ago that tonight I could sit here and tell you that a black man is head of the Mississippi State Troopers. That didn't happen with guns. That didn't happen with violence. And so when you stop and think about, when you see a woman walk into the locker room of sports team, that movement got her the right for that. When you see handicapped people have certain rights now, that that came from the movement. A woman, white woman, could not fly a commercial airplane before our movement. A white woman couldn't be a, a mechanic at the airport. A black man couldn't fly a plane. A black woman couldn't be a steward. The only thing a white woman could do on commercial, she could be a stewardess. But she had to look like something that come out of the center page of Playboy magazine. And because of our movement, Anytime you get on a plane today and see an old, short, fat white stewardess, we got her that job. Not the Marines, not the White House, not the military, not her white father or her white brother. We, the movement, got her that job. So we've already proved to the world and many people before us the power of not being willing to kill folks. That's all I'm saying. In 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 over over in 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 the war we're fighting today with the Taliban. When you see our American soldiers, they got seventy pounds of equipment. You see on their back, some of the finest technology, electronical systems the world have ever known. And then you look at the Taliban in 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 in, in, in Afghanistan, and they. They ain't got nothing in their hands, nothing on their back. They don't have no tanks. They don't have no guided missiles. And they're beating us up. Everybody that's ever went to Afghanistan, all the mighty armies from Genghis Khan to Ivan the Terrible to the mighty Russian jaws to the French to the British, all of them lost. I can't explain why. I don't know what it is about that country that all your powerful, mighty armies go in there and they get swallowed. I don't understand it. But I'm saying somewhere we better figure out that just because you got mighty guns and mighty bombs, that don't guarantee you a victory. If you, Mr. Dick Gregory, were dragged to death on a car by these same white people, would you want someone to defend these white people that killed you? Maybe if I was dragged to death. Are you saying to me that it's okay for me to be dragged to death by some black folks, but it's not okay to be dragged to death by some white I know that's not no, what you're saying. No, I'm, but that's I, the I'm way not. You, no, 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 no. Miss, that's the way you framed it. I didn't. I don't speak for you 
I give you the respect to listen to what you said, and what you said was, if I was dragged to death by these white men, you didn't say if I was dragged to death by anybody, huh? You the one said that, not me. Would I want someone to defend them? I live in a country, a country where in America you have a right to a fair trial. And that trial means you can't just find me guilty of murder. You have to find me guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, I, wouldn't want, I wouldn't want one of my children defending them. But that's what lawyers do. They defend, they defend dope pushers that have killed far more people than them white folks have. But that's America. That's the that's the American system. It's not a matter did you do it or not. You have a right for a fair trial. Not a right for a fair trial if you do certain crimes. If you do brutal evil crimes, you don't have a right for that. Oh, no. That's not the Amer that's not my law. That's in the United States Constitution. Um, my, uh, well, I uh, asked um, my question, and um, all I needed uh, was just a, uh, all I needed was just a yes or a no. No, no, you're not uh, backing me into no damn corner, ma'am. I said if you ask me if a white person, huh, I'm not giving you a yes or no, huh? I mean, you going to tell me, you going to ask me a question, I'm going to give you a yes or no, and you ask me a question that if I was dragged to death by some white men? What um, What if it was uh, some black people? That's what you should have asked if I was dragged to death by anybody. But you asked okay. the question oh, okay, the way you okay. feel. Um, so, um, okay, so if... If uh okay, so if I ask the question uh in okay, uh in, instead of white people, how about black people, would you have no, said no. yes? How or about no? asking me if I was dragged to death by anybody? Huh? Try that one. <laughs> Try that one. <laughs> yes or no? I'm not giving you a yes or no to that question. I just told you everybody in America have a right for a fair trial. It didn't say everybody that was innocent. It said everybody. And that means if someone dragged me to death and cut me up in little pieces in America, they still have a right to a fair trial. So are you willing to cancel that law? Are you seeking revenge or justice? It's a big difference. It's a big difference. The same God that created the Germans created the Jews. The same God that created the slave master created the slave. I have ten black children. I dare you to love and respect nine of my children and hate the tenth one. You might have a reason, but you violate me as a parent. That's all I'm saying. 
Have you ever defended other white people that have killed other black people before? <laughs> I'm not going to answer that question there. That's a stupid question. I'm not a lawyer, miss. Okay? I'm not a lawyer. I have, I've had defended folks from the capital punishment. When Michael X was being executed in Trinidad, I was the only one standing in front of a jail. He's a black man. And saying this is wrong. Okay? I'm not. That's like me asking you, have you ever gone to the hospital and helped uh, the women in the maternity ward give birth? Are you qualified? Okay? And let me just say this again. I give anybody interviews. Okay? I'm listed in the phone book. I'm not one of these entertainers that travel with an entourage. But I do remain respect. I'm supposed to get on a plane tonight, and I changed it for this, and they booking me out in the morning. So I'm not wasting my time to be talked to with these silly questions like you asking me, and I don't give a damn how old you are or how young you are, okay? When you get on an airplane and you buy a ticket, if you're a certain age, you pay a certain price. And so I don't mind being exposed to you, asking you whatever you want to ask, but don't ask me silly, stupid questions. And another thing, when you, if you're going to do this for a living, you should be prepared to know the people you're interviewing. And if you read anything about me, you know I'm against killing. So to sit here, after I tell you this, and then ask me all kinds of stupid stuff, have you ever defended somebody that murdered somebody? The first thing you should ask me, are you a lawyer? Huh? Are you a lawyer? I'm not. Have you, have you ever oversee somebody's Ph.D. paper, the first thing is, are you a professor? Huh? So to sit here and just shoot out questions because of some beliefs you have. And I feel sorry I have to talk to you this way because you got a mom and a daddy and friends. Huh? I have children. But there's a certain basic respect that you give somebody when they give you their time on something as serious as this and you keep running some game about Look, if you want to be for capital punishment, I have no problem with that at all. That's between you, yourself, and your God. I shouldn't even say that because you might not believe in God. It has nothing to do with it. But I'm saying to sit here and waste my time asking me, have I ever defended? Now, the proper question would have been, have I ever gave money to someone's defense that had murdered somebody? No. I would give money for someone to appeal a death sentence. I don't know how old you are. I don't know if you're aware how many folks have got the electric chair, capital punishment, and now with DNA now, hundreds of people is getting off because they got the wrong person. These folks probably aren't the wrong person. They probably did it. So my, my being against killing is not kill the people that did it and the people that's innocent don't kill them. Now, that's all i got to say about that. Now, if you got any more questions you want to ask me in a respectful manner, I will listen to them. Otherwise, I'm through. Um, I, uh, um, I, well, uh, okay, uh, my next question is, what is constructive about defending, I mean, uh, what is constructive about asking mercy for these white people? 
I don't believe that anyone should be killed hmm? under no circumstances. Hmm? Now, when I explain that to you, there's nothing else you have to ask me pertaining to that. If I said I went in the bakery and stole that bread, now you're going to make an hour-long show on, on saying, did you really steal the bread? Did you? I told you I stole the bread. Did you steal it because he was hungry? That ain't got nothing to do with it. I stole the bread. Did you hit that woman? Yes, I hit that woman. Okay? Now you're going to sit for an hour and say, well, well, how hard did you hit her? Hit? I hit the woman. I'm not being punished when I go to court for how hard I hit her or how hard I didn't hit her. I violated her. I broke the law. And I should be punished. But I don't think capital punishment is humane. You know, I live in a country that if we could all make this a humane society, wow. But in America, when you hear the word humane society, they talk about animals. And do you know when they have this lethal injection, because they say the electric chair is too inhumane, do you know the cocktail that the court just knocked out? They got that knocked out 35 years ago for animals. They said this is too humane to put animals inhumane, but it's okay for people. And if you ever did anything that had to get lethal injection, before they hit you with the needle, they come in and swab your arm down to make sure there's no germs. Y'all getting ready to kill me. You worry about germs, please. Um, I, uh, know a, um, older, um, black, uh, male who is, uh, very informed about, uh, racism, um, white supremacy, and I believe he is, uh, around your age. Um, uh, I have read, uh, a, uh, a lot of his work, and, um, he is, uh, Mr. Fuller, and, um, and part and uh, in his work, he says, "No question is stupid." Um, yeah, uh, I just wanted to uh, get that in uh, really quick. My next question is, does asking mercy for these white people help to replace white supremacy with justice? If so, how? I'm not asking supremacy for white people. I'm asking clemency for a human being who's fixing to be killed by the state. Okay? And I would ask the same thing if they was black, if they was women, if they was terrorists. Okay? Killing cannot be justified by me under any shape, form, or fashion. Okay? At all. And the black man that you listen to, you should keep listening to him. I don't have no problem with him. I don't have no problem with him believing there are no stupid questions. Let me tell you something, man. There are some stupid questions, okay? There are some stupid actions, okay? Now, you can be comfortable listening, and I don't know why you have to frame everything with, I know a black man. Who cares? Both of anybody say there are no stupid questions. There aren't. It's the way you frame them that make them stupid. Huh? It's the intent. That make them stupid. You sit here all night and keep telling me about black folks and white folks and black folks and white folks. 
That's not the issue here. Excuse me? The issue is um, can, can you hang on just one second? Um, you have uh, been saying uh, the word stupid uh, a lot uh, on this program, and uh, you said that, um, you know, uh, my questions are stupid. Um, can you please uh, give a, de- uh, well, what do you mean when you say the word stupid? I'm not answering that, ma'am. Just go ahead and ask any other question you want. I'm not, I'm not, listen, I'm ready to get off the phone. You're wasting my time now, okay? I'm the one going down there. I'm the one that went there and sit and didn't eat all night and sit in the cold, okay? Now, if somebody says, I, I think you're stupid, I have no problem with that. I don't have no problem with that. Huh? Just because somebody calls you something, if the hat fit, wear it, it's too tight, tear it. But I'm saying now, I am giving my time and energy to talk about a very precious, precious, precious part of my life. Is I don't believe the state should kill people, okay? I don't believe that. Now, if we want to deal with that from that standpoint, I don't have no problem. If you just want to debate, because you know some colored man that said there are no stupid questions, and, 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 and how do I feel about some white folks that kill somebody? Well, I don't want to get into that debate. You have a right to ask it, but not to me. So if that's all y'all got to do, I'm ready to hang up and say good night, and God bless y'all, okay? Justice, did you have uh, any final questions? Um, I don't. Well, did he uh, did he get off the line? I'm still on the line. Okay. Um, how can the system of racism, white supremacy, be stopped if you're def- if uh, you're defending white people? I'm not gonna answer that question. That's a stupid question. <laughs> Remember one thing that I didn't say you were stupid. I said the question was stupid. Okay, all right. I I uh, I know that. Yep, I know that. Um, I do not have uh, any more questions for uh, Mr. Gregory. I'm sorry. paraphrasing, uh, get rid of white supremacy, and I know Just you're going out. I'm bra- oh, man, see the, <laughs> uh, can I, am I, are you hearing me clearly? I hear you clearly, yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, man, I thought we were going out. Okay, um, yeah, my question I was saying, I think uh, in some of Justice's questions, many of her questions, um, she identified the race of a person, she was saying the black person or the white person. Um, and I've been doing the same thing, identifying uh, the perpetrators in this case sure. uh, to admitted races, sure. um, because I think that's very important. In fact, I think that is that's at the whole center of this. I think if you get rid of white supremacy, we're not even having this conversation. Uh, I suspect what happened to Mr. Bird never happens if we get rid of white supremacy. Well, well, let me uh, just say something. Let me just say something. Do you know how many people in Russia is on death row? And race ain't had nothing to do with it, huh? You know what I mean? People in in France is on death row. 
You know how many people all over the world is on death row? You know how many people in Africa is on death row and race had nothing to do with it? Huh? So if we get rid of white supremacy, murder. I white supremacy has a big impact on. Oh, no, no, I don't. I don't have no problem with that. Worldwide. Yeah, I think I don't have no, that's what I'm I saying. I think it relates directly to what you just said. Racism, white supremacy. I, I've had people on the program who testified to this. Racism, white supremacy has the same impact that it has here. Why I know a black male, if he killed 55 people, the question you asked, I know that black person is going to the electric chair. White supremacy has that same impact worldwide. Okay, let me Every say time. this here. If a black man killed his wife or a black woman killed him or a white woman killed her husband, and we're going to trace that back to white supremacy? There's, there's, there's more murders happen every day on this planet, and race has nothing to do with it. Okay. Race has nothing to do with it. Do you believe that we're in a system of white supremacy, Mr. Gregory? I, do I believe it? I know we are. Oh, okay, okay. I was just checking. Okay. That's interesting. I feel like white supremacy is responsible for more deaths than anything, not even close. I think white supremacy is responsible for way more death. Vietnam, I feel like almost everything you've mentioned, Vietnam, oh, yeah. Asian Oil, that is Well, not only that, wait a minute, see, there's a difference between death and murder. The pharmaceutical companies, you know how I many people they kill with them bad drugs out here? You know how I many people the cigarette industry kill with that stuff out here? You know how I many people drug pushers kill? <laughs> Mostly non-white people. Huh? Mostly non-white people. Well, say that to people in Russia. They got folks dying. Say that to people in, in in Iran. When I was in Iran during the hostage crisis, two million drug addicts in southern Iran, and the CIA was bringing it across the border. And what would cost five hundred dollars was costing twenty-five cents. Okay. <laughs> okay. Were white people responsible for this? Well, the, the, the CIA, sure. Okay. The CIA. That's, but that's no, what, what you said, mostly black folks. No, they have no respect for nobody who they look at that's below them. Did Hitler declare war on Africa? Or did he declare on war on white folks? Huh? Was World War One? Then when America built nuclear bombs, was that to drop on Africa or to drop on each other? Huh? I believe they dropped those uh, nuclear bombs on non-white people, and I said non-white. I did not say black. I said mostly non-white people, non-white I don't have people. no problem with that, but I'm saying when they invented nuclear bombs, it wasn't the intention to drop it on Africa. The intention was um, I'm not going to let Russia attack us. Russia said I'm not going to let America, and then you had this whole this whole white world in the arms race, but all of us suffer because when they dropped the bomb in Japan in 14 days, that nuclear dust was over America, and we don't know how many Americans have died because of that bomb we thought we was dropping over there. I agree. White people, they do have many arguments uh, about how they are going to practice white supremacy. I think World War II is a sterling example of that. Um, the, even even then, they had total agreement on one thing, and that is that this is supposed to be about white 
supremacy. Even oh, yeah. then, they had no, agreement on that. Um, I don't have no problem with that. They even said that when they hit when they hit Hitler, when Hitler hit Russia, when Hitler. <laughs> but but it wasn't minus white supremacy. They say we want to run it all by ourselves. <laughs> right. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's yes, like sir. prize fighting. Those folks in the ring, they both boxers. <laughs> okay. They're not strange. They both boxers. They say, let's see who can win. Let's see who's the best boxer. Okay, they're not going in the street just punching people out. And so when you stop and think about it's like, do you know how few people know, including black folks, that I can never be a racist? I can dislike you because you're Irish Catholic. I can dislike you because you're Polish. I can dislike you. That's prejudice. Okay? Racism is the ability to control somebody else's faith and destiny. And if I hated all white folks, I do not have the power to see to it that their children go to a bad school or to see to it they get improper health. See, the problem in America is ignorance. You know, we sit here. See, money is not power. Education is not power. Information is power. I was the first Negro to give a commencement address at Harvard University, and I said on these conditions, I don't want none of your blood money as an honorarium, and I don't want nothing in my house with your name on it. The reason I said that, the first time in the history of Harvard, they let the students pick the commencement speaker, and the reason why is because the 1975 class, I was the commencement speaker, the 1925 class, was celebrating their 50th anniversary, and that class had produced more billionaires than any other Harvard class. So they wanted to impress them so they could get some heavy contributions. And that was the time when a lot of students didn't give a dang about hanging around for graduation. So they said to the students, we'll let you pick the speaker. They picked me. And I said, on these conditions, I don't want your honorarium. And I don't want no honorary doctor. You agree to that, I'll speak. And I went there, and here's what I told them. Harvard and MIT, which is right next to each other in Cambridge, had more suicides in one year than all the Big Ten schools have in 20. And I say to you young folks, your mom and dad and people all over the world believe Harvard and MIT is the citadel of intellectuality, but to the God I pray to, look at this as a cesspool of filth. And if you youngsters is not willing to change this around, these folks that's committing suicide, they didn't leave home to go to a crack house. They didn't leave home to go to a gambling den. And something happens here, and that's for you all to clean up. That's a horrible story. Huh? Horrible. Most folks don't even know that every one of your Ivy League schools, I didn't say almost, every one of your Ivy League schools was created by white slave owners so they dumb white boys could go to college. Matter of fact, as we talk now, Yale has five schools, school of law, school of dentistry, school of this, and eight of them schools is named after slave owners. White president. I didn't hear you. I'm sorry. What I, I wanted to ask, um, I believe we are we are unfortunately still in a system of white supremacy, and 
I want to ask, do you think uh, the nonviolent approach, do you think that that will solve the problem of the system of white supremacy? And if so, how? Well, first, let me take it real easy. If you wanted to get rid of police brutality in the black community, okay, follow me? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. If you wanted to get rid of it overnight, right, then let's come together and call for all people of good conscience to help us deal with police brutality by starting this Thanksgiving boycotting Christmas. And let me tell you what that means. 79% of all retail happens between Thanksgiving and Christmas. There's people that stay in business all year, lose money just for Christmas. There's people out where you live, west in Oregon, that grow turkeys. That ain't now no black folks, but they would go down with a barker, especially with the economy like it is now. So here's what you would have. You'd have powerful white folks calling the Senate and Congress and say, pass this legislation to make police brutality a federal crime. Pass this legislation immediately, and it would happen. Yeah, we have, see, this thing has been going on for hundreds of years. And so if you go to a 200-pound piece of ice, you don't try to lift it. You get your piece, and you chip it, and you chip it, and you chip it, and you chip it, and then things change. One man, one man, cause was the cause of the of the of the Civil War. John Brown. John Brown's raid on Harper's Ferry. Okay? And 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 if it wasn't for that, he got wiped out. His son got wiped out. He was hanged on December the second in Charleston, West Virginia. And he said as he walked out of that courthouse on his way to the gallows. He said, if what I've done would have been in the defense of rich white men, I'd be your hero now. He said, but I talked to God last night, and God told me to tell you, you just missed your last chance of doing this with no blood. And when the Civil War started 18 months later, the battle hymn for the Union Army was John Brown's body is a molding in the grave. John Brown's body is a molding in the grave. And let me tell you one more story. Now, if America goes to war and we implement a draft, there's 10,000 ways they can get in touch with you. But how did they fight wars in the days before there was addresses, before there was homes? In the wars, a recruiter would wander through the wilderness, through the wilderness, and recruit. The reason Napoleon had such a brilliant, brilliant war machine was his recruiter, a captain. Never before in the history of war had anybody been as good. And if he walked through the wilderness and saw a a 19-year, 20-year-old man that didn't look physical fit, he didn't take him. 
If you was 100 years old and dead, he would recruit you. So he's walking through the forest one day, and he sees this old lumberjack, 98 years old. He didn't know he was 98 at the time. And he starts foaming at the mouth. Foaming at the mouth because he's the greatest recruiter on the planet. And he never seen a human specimen that looked like that. Hmm? So he walks up to him and introduces himself and the old man says, Oh, you don't have to. I know who you are. You're one of the most famous people on the planet. You're the number one recruiter in the history of military. And he said, I just want you to say, old man, I want you to have the honor to know after looking at you, I've decided to recruit you, and you now belong to Napoleon's army. And that old man said, excuse me, I belong to nobody but God. So the recruiter said, well, you don't understand what I'm saying. I'm saying I'm recruiting you into the and not to go in is treason that's punishable by death. The old man looked at him again and said, as I said before, I'm not owned by no man, and I don't believe in killing. Now, you can call me treasonous. I cut my timber. I pay my taxes to the state. Huh? So the captain was, was outraged. He was embarrassed that this would happen to him in front of his men. So he said, ready the firing squad. And the firing squad came to place. And this captain, as he executed the command, Ready, aim, and he looked into this old man's eyes, and he was defeated. He's looking at a man, a human being that's ready to die more beautiful than most folks he know can live. And so to be, rather than be outdone, he rescind, rescind the firing squad, heat the branding irons, and they heated the branding irons. Brandon Irons ready, and he took the Brandon Irons, and he looked the old man in the eye. He said, whether you like it or not, and he put his hand on that tree stump, and he branded an end in the center of his hand. He said, old man, whether you like it or not, you now belong to Napoleon. And as the captain turned to walk away, the old lumberjack took his other hand and pulled him back and put his hand back on that tree stump and took out his side axe and chopped his hand off. He said, I told you before, I belong to no man but God. Now let me tell you what happened. That captain went crazy. He couldn't believe what he had witnessed. And he's the one that turned against Napoleon. He's the one that schemed. He's the one that left that northern flank open that caused his defeat. When the word got out to the top powerful people around the world, they said to see to it this will never happen again. Never on this planet will the person that's being executed be able to look the executioner in the eye. That's where blindfolds came from. That's where hoods came from. One man with courage is the majority. One man, with his actions, tumbled down Napoleon's great military. It is about nonviolence. It is about nonviolence.
context of white supremacy, uh, our guest, uh, Mr. Dick Gregory. Uh, we did have quite a few folks that called in. I was going to see if they wanted to ask any questions. Um, there's one. I had one other one other question. Um, you've made it very clear, and I've read your work. Uh, you are in total opposition to the death penalty, um, capital punishment, uh, commitment to nonviolence uh, have been committed for some time, many years, many, many years, sure. longer than I've been alive. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I'm noting, because you've been a guest on our program twice, and uh, you've mentioned the work of John Brown, many other people, we're always talking about racism, white supremacy, so many people have mentioned John Brown on the program. Uh, two things stand out to me about that. Um, number one, I don't hear people mention Nat Turner, um, and these John Brown, Nat Turner, did the same thing. Did the same thing. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no. Back up, brother. Wait, back up. Yes, sir. John Brown was a white man. Mm-hmm. He didn't have to do that. Mm-hmm. He made no money off of that. Mm-hmm. He was putting his life on the line. Look, I'm a father. I will die for black liberation, but I'm not going to take my children to the front line. He did. Okay? He did. His children was there with him. Do you know what Harriet Tubman said on her deathbed? My only regret in life, I wasn't there to die with John Brown. Do you know what Frederick Douglass said when John Brown asked him to go? He said, man, you crazy. Huh? John Brown didn't just go to some warehouse. That was the United States government's munition dump. A hundred thousand rifles and munition, and he went there and took on two divisions of Marines and held them off with 21 people, huh? 21 people for two and a half days. And the horror as a father to see my two sons killed in front of me, and I'm still alive. He was wounded. So that's my hat off to a man who didn't have to do it. He had nothing in it for him. They wasn't giving bounties. They wasn't saying, every Negro you liberate, we will pay you on his own. And the greatest movement that ever happened in the history of this planet was the abolitionary movement. But you know why Frederick Douglass died a broken heart? He died a broken heart because he couldn't be part of an abolitionary movement. He, he, they said Negroes are too childlike. I told you at the beginning of this show, Abraham Lincoln was a white supremacist. Abraham Lincoln believed that Negroes was inferior, but he didn't believe because he felt I was inferior that I should be somebody's slave. He didn't believe that I should work for free. He he had all them other beliefs, but that, and so that that whole movement. When you look at Harriet Beecher Stowe, hey, man, one day when people in America find out who Uncle Tom was, who Uncle, they, they're saying it was she the one that caused the Civil War. See, about 90% of white folks in America never owned a slave. They didn't know what went on until she wrote Uncle Tom's Cabin, and people read what Uncle Tom went through. It's like you hear these people talking about this. This child trafficking, you hear this, right? Oh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. Okay. Now, 
I don't know nothing about child trafficking. Most people don't. But if one of the child that was used in trafficking slipped away and got to be 21 years old and wrote a book about the horror, and then we sit and read it, and now we know that's what Harriet Beecher Stowe was able to do with Uncle Tom's cabin, was create something that people had never thought of. When you look at Mark Twain, one of the fine, brilliant minds on the planet, when Mark Twain wrote Huck Finn, Nigger Jim, let me tell you, before that, black folks didn't have a first name. If you was Captain Kachipi and you owned us, we was Kachipi's niggas. And we was referred to the, to the owner. That's our last name. And this brilliant man whose father had slaves, he grew up watching them. Some kind of way something got in him, and he wrote Tom Sawyer. And he was so clever, he gave black folks a first name. He said, this nigger's name is Jim. He was clever enough to say nigger Jim, but up until then, in the history of slavery in America, we never had a first name. And then as you sit and read that book, you didn't read of a slave mentality and a massa mentality as the first time in the history of America white folks and black folks and anywhere in the world got to read that a black person and a white person had a conversation as human beings. That's what Mark Twain was able to do. It never Mr. Gregory, Mr. Gregory, is, is nigger Jim's first name nigger? Huh? No. Is his first name nigger? No. I mean, no. Everybody was called nigger. Huh? He gave, he gave him a first name. He said, this nigger's name is Jim, and he was clever enough to know if he left nigger there, they wouldn't rebel against him having a civil conversation with two human beings. And But before then, we had no first name. Huh? We was Kachipi's niggas. The dude across the uh, we, 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 Billy Bard's niggas. We had no first name until Mark Twain with his cleverness and his wittiness. Never before did a white paper, including the New York Times and the Northern Papers, they never wrote about lynching. The first time lynching hit a white paper when Mark Twain owned a piece of the Buffalo Express. And two black men was lynched in Memphis on a weekend. And then they found out they lynched the wrong two. And so in his column, he says, they lynched two niggers over the weekend in Memphis. No, they lynched two black men in Memphis over the weekend and then found out they lynched the wrong two. Oh, but so what? They were just niggers. He said, oh, you should have been there to see the Christians come out with their fried pies and they baked goods and they lemonade and praising the Lord and singing at the lynching. But so what? They were just niggas. That's how clever. And you see, one thing about the universal God, when the universal God picked you, it leaves no footprints. You don't have to be praised by the New York Times or the Washington Post. You just sit and you do, and that's the lineup. How many? 
how many, when you go back and read the black folks that was there, what they felt about the abolitionary movement, they was resentful that they couldn't be part of it, but they said, thank you for doing what you're doing, but we think you're wrong for feeling that way about us. The problem is they've heard so much. You know, there's a book out called Black Ice. Two white brothers wrote it that go and do the research and found out that ice hockey was invented by ex-black slaves that had got on the freedom train and got their freedom in upstate New York and then left and went over to Canada. And we ended up in Nova Scotia, and that's where they invented ice hockey. And yet, nobody knew that. They were able to hide it and sweep it in the rug. And these two white brothers, huh? And then they put it on ESPN. And nobody knew that. And so I'm saying there's a lot of things. They couldn't have done it with a gun. They couldn't have been violent. It couldn't have been me. Let me let me let me tell you what evilness and violence do. And this is what King was so beautiful in. And the movement was so beautiful because ninety eight percent of the leadership of the civil rights movement, they had reverend in front of their name before they had PhD. And let me tell you what a beautiful thing this movement was. It said love your enemy. Didn't say love your mother or your brother. I didn't understand that. Huh? And then I realized if you own a mansion and there's a huge well on your property and everybody from a hundred miles around comes to your property and that's the only way they can get drinking water. So you got hundreds of thousands of people have to come and drink from your well. If I slipped in there and poisoned that well, then everybody that drank from that well gets poisoned and dies. Well, let me tell you about your heart. Your heart is nothing but a well. If you ball up your fist right now, that's what your heart looks like. When you open it up, that's what the valves look like. The blood goes into there and then pumps out to every cell you got 75 trillion cells in your body. And that one pump feeds them and get ready for the next one. Feed them blood. Now, if you put evilness or angriness or bitterness or plotting and scheming and conniving into your heart, then you do the same thing to your body that I did when I poisoned the well. And so when they say love your enemy, they're not helping that enemy. They're helping me. It is my body that get corrupted through hatred and bitterness and meanness. It's, it's that simple. It's that simple. And I, I got in the civil rights movement. John Wayne was my hero. I had me a gun at home. I have always been this way. I used to drink a fifth of scotch every day, man, smoke weed, 20 packs of cigarettes a day. Top weight went up to 365. I went the whole route. 
And then one day when I found out that cigarettes caused cancer, I didn't think it was cool to smoke. So I quit. Huh? One day when I found out what I was doing to my body, huh? So I went on a fast, protesting the war in Vietnam. And when I came off, I was weighing 92 pounds. 92 pounds. And so it's this whole, this whole thing. I, I could have been one of the richest human beings because I got a brilliant, clever mind. When I had my Bahamian diet out here, I was making, what, nine, $600,000 every day. But my motivation wasn't that. My motivation was liberation. Hmm? Liberation. So I stepped out the nightclubs. I didn't say how I'm going to feed my family. I didn't say what about my family. I was in the military. There was no war going on, and I wasn't married. But if I had had children and been married, there's a war. And they said, come on, soldier, let's take this hill. I wouldn't have said what about my family. But when it comes time to liberate me, we got all these crutches we want to use. Huh? Like I said, James Bird's son came back to the funeral and then went back and learned how to be a good Marine and went over there to, to Iraq to kill some folks <laughs> somewhere. Um, again, context of white supremacy. Um, I did want to uh, rewind when I was making my statement, and you said that you felt there that John Brown and Nat Turner, they did not do the same thing, and you made your clarification on that. Um, my second point. But before we do that, let me just clear up one thing. If my house is on fire, right, mm -hmm. and you're a firefighter, I expect you to run in that house, okay, even if you die, right? But if somebody next door run in the house to rescue my children and they die, that's a big difference. <laughs> That's a big difference. And so I look at that the same way. I, as a black man, I have a vested interest in my liberation. Huh? Here's the guy that brought his children. I'm going to tell you now. I'll come anywhere where people are being oppressed. And if it's my life I have to go, I have no, but I'm not bringing my grandchildren. He did. That's why they say he was crazy. Huh? He did. And so, now, now let me get back to your question. This is going to be the last question because i got to run. Okay. Um, okay, that, that'll be fine. No, 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 no. no. Ask, ask the next question you was going to ask. Oh, okay. Um, the, uh, the, part, the second part of that that I thought was just, it was interesting, and it seems to be a contradiction uh, John Brown went to practice violence and kill people, and you said repeatedly you are not in support of violence. It seems, it seems contradictory to celebrate uh, someone who practiced violence if you are committed to nonviolence. That's a fair question. But let me ask you this. Didn't Jesus tell, and I said this at the front of your show, didn't Jesus Tell the Jews, put the blood on the door. When I come through to kill them, I'll skip past you. Or are you aware of that? Huh? I might not have heard that before. Can you repeat it for me one more time, please? The story where God told the Jews, I don't mean Jesus. This was before there was Christianity. When God said in the 
in in the Old Testament when he said to the Jews, kill your good calf and put the blood on your house, and when I come through to kill him, I will spare you because I know you live there. You never heard that till just now? I'm not familiar with that passage. How does that how does that apply to John Brown practicing? God Bible? is in the killing business. My God, man, what y'all doing there? Other than the phones being messed up. First, I I can understand you not knowing it because you might not be a Christian. You could be a Muslim or Hindu. I don't know a Christian that's not aware that when God told have you heard the word Passover? Yes, sir. I'm not a Christian, but yes, okay. I have heard no, the term. No. Okay. I said, that, that's why I'm saying there's a possibility. You don't know this. When God said, if you put the mark on your house, when I come down to destroy them, I will pass over your house. Huh? That's when the Jews celebrate Passover every year. So I'm saying to you, in the Bible, God is in the killing business. I'm not in the killing business. I don't agree with it, but I'm reading it there. God said, if you do this, this is what I will do. I will open up the Red Sea, have you heard of that, and swallow up their army. huh? So there's a whole lots of people. I don't base people on do you eat meat, do you kill animals. I don't base cops to take a job that they kill people. To do that, I still believe killing is wrong. That's all I'm saying. And when we was at the height of the civil rights movement, I never would knock a gun out your hand if you thought that's the way you had to liberate your mama. But I'm saying don't knock this carrot out of my hand. I'm a vegetarian. I don't eat meat. I don't have a right to tell you. huh? I don't have a right to tell you that. You can't kill somebody. That's not my right. I can say killing is wrong. I wouldn't kill nobody. And if you was going to kill me and the only way I could stop it is kill you, I never thought I'd live to see the day to say I would rather be killed by somebody than kill somebody. And, And one of the things for your listeners out there, you know all the great pacifists of that day, Emerson, Longfellow, all of them, was cheering for John Brown. The world renowned, they known for their pacifism. And they looked at a situation and they said, wow, how can he dedicate himself like this? And I wonder the same thing as a black person. I can see we had white folks in the civil rights movement with us. I was there the day they killed Mrs. LaRusso and then found out later when the guy let the window down in the car and put the rifle out, there was two FBI agents in the car with him. <laughs> okay? Okay? I don't hate them. And the one great thing about the Civil Rights Movement, those of us are still alive. When you see us walking down the street, you don't know what we've been through. Huh? Because there's no evilness or no bitterness. One after another. When they killed Jesus Christ, they didn't mess with the rest of the disciples. Everybody in this movement that went out to help us was gunned down. And yet, this movement, through the great leader, was saying killing is not right. And that's that's the path I choose to follow. 
and I will follow it for the rest of my life. And again, if you believe, and I'm not saying you, that liberation can only come, go get your gun, brother. I'm not going to interfere with you. You're not seeing me out there preaching to you, saying you don't have a right to do this. Huh? I wouldn't be out there telling James Bird, Simon, if, if, if you were to get a gun to, to kill him, that don't make it right. That don't make it right. I understand anger. I understand emotions. And Would you have God. been telling John Brown that huh? violence is not the way? Would you have been telling John Brown violence is not the way? Don't do that, Brother John. Violence is not the way. Would you, you know have been... what? I don't like the way you ask me questions. I come on this show friendly. You act like you're laying behind the bushes. There's way you ask human beings questions, man. I didn't come in here to be dodging your damn bullets. Would How do you feel about John Brown and that? You would you ask us? So I'm through with it. And, and y'all, please don't call me no more. I do not want to work this show. No more. That's the way I feel about what I've been. And now I know why them damn telephones was working wrong. Good night. And when I say God bless you, I don't say this viciously or viciously. But any time that I would come back to be taller, I respect you. I thought you had your homework done. I go all over the world. And I talk to people that I don't agree with, but my respect, I'm not trying to ambush them. I've been sitting on that. I didn't come on this show to defend me. I've come on this show to explain to the world why that I would sit there and fast and pray that a person, y'all ain't heard none of that. All you hear is, is a Negro defending some white folks. Well, hey. At one time, I was like that. I say it early, and it's easy to figure out. I don't believe in killing. I say it, I never knew I would see the day that I'd rather be killed by someone than kill someone. And then all at once, I get these hostile questions. I expect them out of people that call in. Okay, that's the audience. I came on to do your show because of your reputation. I haven't heard that tonight. But I heard something with the phones messing up. And I said, "Uh uh-oh, something ain't right about this. And so, again, I'm saying to you, I thank you for putting my voice out there because there are some people out there that need to hear what I have to say. There's some people out there that need to hear what you have to say. I do not want to do this show no more. Thank you. Context of white supremacy, our guest, Mr. Dick Gregory. I uh, hope we were not discourteous. Um, I wasn't asking the question to be hostile. Uh, it was really, uh, I didn't get to uh, to finish the question. Um, you know, I feel like it's a, uh, it's a very glaring contradiction to say that you are against violence, but then you're celebrating someone who was about violence. John Brown was a killer, to my knowledge. He was about to go and shoot people. I'm not sure if he actually killed anyone, but he was certainly about violence. Uh, and he admitted that. He, I believe his response was, that is a fair question. Um, so, yeah, I wasn't asking to be hostile. I thought it was legit, and I thought, uh, yeah, it's a blatant contradiction, in my opinion. Blatant contradiction. Um, yeah, at any rate, you know. I hope I was not discourteous. He is a victim. I said that repeatedly. He is a victim. And, 
Yeah. I am a victim. <laughs> I am a victim. He's a victim. That's why I'd rather have white people on the program. I will say this. If this had been a white person on the program, this would have been totally different if a white person had come on. Uh, we would have had to rewind all the way back to the Nat Turner-John Brown thing. Uh, that would have uh, – it would have been much rowdier <laughs> if it had been a white person on the program. At any rate, I'm thankful that he was uh, able to share some time with us and, uh, yeah, replace white supremacy with justice. The problem is white people. Uh, we will take a commercial break and uh, we'll be right back. I'm not sure I'm going to the phone lines because I'm not really interested in hearing people talk bad about a victim. Um, yeah, I'm not sure I trust going to the phone lines to hear hear any commentary um, about uh, about another victim. If it was white people, I wouldn't care, but it was a victim. So I might we might not have any phone time today. I'll think about that. We'll take a uh, commercial break, and we'll be right back. Context of white supremacy. We will do news, and we'll uh, – yeah, I'll think about the phones. <laughs> I had to think about the phones. I don't know if I trust going or not. Context of white supremacy. We'll be right back. RacismDaily.com, your number one source for global news reports on race, racism, and overt actions of white supremacy. From Asia to the Americas to Europe to Australia to Africa, racism is not a thing of the past. It is our current reality. Be informed. Be globally informed. You should be the first to know. RacismDaily.com, RacismDaily.com. RacismDaily.com Is racism hurting you? On issues of race, are you unable to speak, think, and act with clarity and confidence? Are you tired of laughing when nothing is funny, smiling when you are not happy, agreeing when you really disagree? Racism.com, you can learn specific strategies and techniques to counter the behaviors of the people who practice racism in all areas of activity. Using words correctly, following counter-racist logic, even counter-racist science projects designed to reveal what racism is, how it works, and how to counter it. The open source code writing format allows you to pick and choose from a variety of counter-racist suggestions so you can produce the code that works for you. Stop by counterracism.com today and help replace racism with justice. That's counter-racism.com. Do you need a one-stop shop for all of your multimedia needs? Triumphant Multimedia is a skilled team of professionals with a passion for great marketing and chic design. Our specialties include consulting, brand development, copywriting, and creative graphic design that's second to none. We also offer photography, photo retouching, videography, and video editing. At Triumphant Multimedia, our goal is to provide highly effective creative solutions built to suit any individual need or budget. Give us a call at 678-732-8067 or check us out online at TRI Multimedia.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome. This is Justice with the Cows Radio Program. If you want to learn about, understand, and counter racism, white supremacy, be sure not to miss a cows episode. 
We keep them jammed, packed with constructive information to sharpen your use of words to help eliminate the system of racism, white supremacy, ASAP. Also, for more information on racism, white supremacy, and to invest in my counter-racist efforts, please visit my blog, justdojusticetoday.blogspot.com. You're just saying just buckets and buckets of words. Context of white supremacy. Back <laughs> to uh, share information. I will tell you one thing about code. Uh, this has saved me. Um, I've said it before. I will say it again. This has saved me repeatedly. Really make sure that you are not about gossiping. Whatever you have to say about anything, particularly racism, white supremacy related, anytime you open your mouth to say something, expect that this is going to be replayed to the entire world. It's being recorded. It's going to be transcribed, translated into at least 20 languages and broadcast worldwide for the next five years. Think that way every time you open your mouth about racism, white supremacy. And I'm just saying that repeatedly because that has that has saved me so many times from uh, messing up. Uh, when I said, gave my commentary before we went to the commercial, I was not aware Mr. Gregory was still with us. And I didn't know that until later that, oh, he was still on. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I, I would I would repeat exactly what I said if he was here, that if a white person had been on the program, and said that, I would have hopped all over them. If there had been a white person who had said, uh, I don't think John Brown and Nat Turner, they're not comparable, they didn't do the same thing, and that same white person said, I'm against violence, yay John Brown, I would have hopped all over them. Sparks would have been flying <laughs> on the cows. So, uh, yeah, and I would repeat that. I would repeat that to anyone. It is a total contradiction. That's what I said to him. And, uh, yeah, I don't feel like I was discourteous. I'm not upset about it. I mean, he's a victim. I mean, <laughs> I just thought it was an interesting contradiction. Um, I hadn't thought about it until he came on the program. Uh, I've heard him, you know, discuss John Brown two times now. And I uh, just about an hour and 15 minutes in the program that really stood out that he has been talking uh, adamantly about being opposed to violence. And John Brown, he seems to to, to recognize and think John Brown did some great efforts, and uh, John Brown was about violence. At any rate, um, white people, that's why I like having white people on the program. That way, if there is a disagreement, if it does, if there is some conflict, it is in the correct place. It's between a victim and a white person. That's where it should be. The problem is white people. Much rather have white people on the program, and uh, we will have some white people coming up. So, Right on. At any rate, um, I'm still undecided about the phone lines. There's a lot of people on, but I'm very undecided because I'm not really interested in hearing. Um, I'm not really interested in hearing bashing on another victim. I said that. I said that so many times while I was muted. Victim, uh, victim, victim. I said that before the program too. Victim. Um, as, as am I. Victim, victim, victim. Um, we'll see if we can do news. Justice, do you have a, a news report? I do. Uh, it's uh, pulled up and everything, but, uh, uh, you know, uh, just uh, from uh, what you said and, you know, 
uh, him uh, being uh, confused and, you know, uh, saying that, you know, my questions are stupid and stuff. Um, I think uh, <laughs> um, I'll probably uh, not do uh, news today, but uh, tomorrow, uh, I think so. And my thumb was kind of hurting, too, <laughs> since uh, the program today. Uh, I, I, I think I need to put my feet up. <laughs> right on, right on. But, Job uh, well done. But um, have uh, Mr. Fuller's uh, book. Um, uh, I, uh, I would like to read um, a passage um, uh, fr- from his book. Um, the book. Uh, well, it's well, it's uh, not the word guide. It's the um. Uh, What's his book? Uh, Gus. I mean, yeah, uh, Gus. What's his first book called? The United Independent Compensatory Code System Concept. Yes, uh, it's uh, that one. It's uh, not the word guide. Um, this uh, this part. Well, uh, yeah, this part that I'm going to read is uh, on page seventy four. It says, uh, well, it's uh, under um, education. Never say or imply that any question is silly, crazy, etc. Reasons, uh, explanations. There is no, hang on, I think I'm about to sneeze. Okay, no. <laughs> um, there is no such thing. As a question that is stupid, crazy, silly, etc. Every question has an answer. Every question has a correct answer. If there was no answer, there could be no question. Therefore, no question can be correctly regarded as stupid silly, crazy, etc. Uh just that part right there. Um I uh, totally agree. Um um uh it's confused, um but uh I think uh uh yeah, uh I would really have to disagree that uh questions are stupid and I will agree with uh, Mr. Fuller. Uh well with what Mr. Fuller says, so Right on, Mr. Fuller. Right on. I agree. I agree. I think, uh, you know, questions are valid. Questions are valid. And at minimum, you know, you could just say, uh, you know, I don't want to answer that question. No one can force you to answer a question. So I keep that in mm-hmm. mind, too. You uh, certainly do not yeah, have to answer them. Mm-hmm. Like, um, cause, well, you don't. Okay, so uh, you don't have to say uh, a a question is stupid, uh, silly, uh, crazy, um, as uh, et cetera. Uh, you could just say, uh, like Gus said, uh, I don't want to answer that question. Um, can you please go on to the next question, or you know, just move on. You don't have to say. Uh, a question is stupid, silly, uh, or crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
uh, anything, any other uh, thoughts you'd like to share? Um, uh, no, not really. <laughs> right on, right on. Good day's work, good day's work. I think you uh, earned the right to uh, put your feet up if you'd like to uh, take a little break. Um, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to put my feet up and... Uh, Prepare for tomorrow's program. Black Soldier Blues should be uh, very interesting. You all should check that documentary out. It is. It's on YouTube. I think it's U.S. Black U.S. Black Soldiers in Australia. I think it's it's titled as something other than Black Soldier Blues, which is the correct title for it. But it is on YouTube. Uh, someone put it on my Facebook page. It's in six parts. And uh, the director and writer, she'll be on the program tomorrow, live from Australia. Um, really interesting uh, incidents of racism, white supremacy. Uh, I think I referenced that documentary as incredible, and a listener said, uh, I don't think we should use that term. Um, The constant, I'm paraphrasing, the constant abuse that white people heap on non-white people uh, is totally believable, should be believed and expected, which extremely logical, total codification. Uh, I don't remember the sentence. He didn't tell me the context that I said it. Um, even I totally agree with what she just said. Well, I'm paraphrasing her email. Um, there are some parts of it that even with that are still kind of incredible. <laughs> like one, the fact that they got docu- some of the footage that they got documented. Uh, it's just uh, I'm I'm continually astounded. The archives that they have of racism, white supremacy, the evidence, what they have done to non-white people. Uh, one of the anecdotes in particular you have black soldiers, and they, these people are giving interviews. They got the real people. They're giving interviews and saying, yeah, we're, we're in uh, what is called World War II, and we've been stationed. Uh, the enemy, the opposition, these are non-white people, so-called Japanese troops. Uh, we can see them. They're moving around. They got guns. They're firing. White people refused to give us a gun. We had sticks. Middle of World War II, racism, white supremacy. Um, yeah, I mean, certainly that is to be believed. But, uh, I mean, it's it's just, uh, man, they know no limits in terms of uh, practicing racism, white supremacy. But she will be here tomorrow. White person, white person, um, writer and director uh, for the documentary film Black Soldier Blues, uh, black troops in the area of the world known as Australia, still on the plantation of white supremacy. They just got relocated. Uh, That's tomorrow evening, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Pacific, uh, right here. Uh, And the parenting program, make sure I'm I'm plugging that as well. Uh, This Saturday, June 25th, uh, parents who are attempting to counter racism, uh, we want as many as possible Uh, strategies, suggestions, if you have attempted things and they worked out well. um, Yeah, just I think that would be really constructive. I haven't really heard parents talk about how they uh, share counter-racist material with their children or problems that they've had, successes, quote, unquote. Um, But yeah, this Saturday, we'll make time, call in 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Pacific, uh, trying to get as many people on as possible uh, to discuss and share this Saturday. Um, with that, uh, oh, news. I had, I had news. I had news. Um, actually, I'm going to stop. I'm going to stop and read uh, Dr. Barbara 
Trepanier. Uh, she continues to pay dividends. Uh, this is from her book. I've read this passage before, but I'll just read it again. I think it's significant. Page 13 from uh, her book, Silent Racism. This is a white woman admitted racist. She writes, before this research, I had heard of John Brown, but could not have told you who he was. I hadn't heard the song John Brown's Body until a black colleague who gave me feedback on this chapter sang it for me. She also informed me that where we grew up, Chicago, all the black children learned the song. This is page 13 uh, from her book, Silent Racism. News reports uh, we'll read. Uh, this one I had for a while. I wanted to, to make sure that I, I read it, and I'll codify this as I read. I know we have sent Cree, counter-racist, evolving engineer. Uh, we have listeners who, uh, in that area of the world, San Diego. This is on signonsandiego.com. SignOnSanDiego.com. Oceanside Assault, a suspected crime of racism, white supremacy. I'm codifying as I go. An attack Tuesday night on a security guard is being investigated as a suspected crime of racism, white supremacy, Oceanside enforcement officers said. The 45-year-old victim, who is black, was assaulted by three, quote-unquote, Latino men who shouted racial slurs during the assault at about 11.46 p.m. on Division Street near North Grant Street, Oceanside, uh, excuse me, North Grant Street. Oceanside Police Acting Captain Leonard Mata said Wednesday, the black male was taken to a hospital with significant head injuries and a laceration above his right eye but is expected to recover, Mata said. The victim, who is from San Diego, had gone to Oceanside for a security job and was lost and walking in the area, Mata said. He was in uniform at the time. Context of white supremacy, and they do racists. They do a great job, uh, so-called Latinos. Uh, not sure these could be white people, could be non-white people. Um, if they're non-white people, they do a really good job of generating conflict, uh, making sure that the entire world uh, is anti-black. I've had a lot of reports. We have a lot of listeners in California, and uh, they have shared about uh, so-called Latinos, uh, these, their non-white, non-black people assaulting uh, black people, and a lot of the conflict going on with that um, should do should probably do a program on that. I'm not uh, I'm not in that area, so I'm not as informed, but. Uh, yeah, I've, I've heard a lot of reports on that. I know we have a lot of listeners in the California area. Um, we should make time. We should make time to do some investigating. Um, this, uh, again, it's the title of this report, Oceanside Assault, a Suspected Hate Crime. That's the actual title, Oceanside Assault, a Suspected Hate Crime, and it's on San, uh, signonsandiego.com. Uh, this is from uh, May 11th, 2011. May 11th, 2011. Okay. Uh, with that, like I said, I'm, I'm still <laughs> not feeling, uh, 
I'm not feeling good about going to the phone lines. I'm not feeling good about going to the phone lines. Like, uh, I just, I remember the last time Mr. Gregory was here and, um, (laughs) it wasn't, it wasn't quite as much conflict as last time, but I remember he was, uh, a little riled up and, and people were, uh, not making the most constructive comments about what he, uh, had to say. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm real nervous about going to the phone line. And I'll, I'll even, hey, I might not have been as courteous as I could have been. I don't think I was, was rude uh, to Mr. Gregory. I don't think there was anything incorrect about my question. And I wanted an answer. Like, I really, you know, I'm kind of uh, I'm kind of disappointed. Like, I really wanted a response. You know, what, you know, what would he have done? Uh, would he have told John Brown not to be violent? Um, but at any rate, I might have been discourteous, so I'll acknowledge that. But it's just I, uh, I just don't want uh, I just don't want any bashing on a victim. Hmm, um, man. <laughs> and there are a lot of people that called into. Man, I don't know. Hmm, man. Let's. See. <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh. I'll see what one caller has to say. If I hear anything that is uh, not constructive, um, degrading another victim, uh, we are done with the phone lines. I'll see what one caller has to say. The person that called in from California, uh, is you, did you have any anything questions or comments? Uh, greetings. Can I be heard? Yes, sir. Yeah, I don't think you have nothing to worry about as far as what the caller um, I think it was a very interesting um, program. Um, I learned a lot, and uh, I mean, I learned a <laughs> man. I learned a lot. I mean, I, I really wish I had an opportunity to have asked him a question. Yeah, I was going to preface it by saying what an honor it was just to, you know, talk to him. I mean, he's been, uh, you know, I was thinking of Dr. Wilson, you know, also. When she said, I remember one time she said that she had seen uh, Dick Gregory and she was buying um, a number of newspapers and he was purchasing, uh, she said, uh, maybe five times the amount of papers that she was buying. And she was she, she was shocked by that and she ended up, uh, you know, speaking speaking on that just to let us know, non-white people know that, you know, when you think that you're, you know, you're getting your 12 newspapers, you really think you're doing a lot. You have other non-white people out here, you know, that that buy 50 papers, you know. So she wanted us to know that. So uh, yeah, it was interesting, and I I definitely learned a lot. And um, yeah, I don't think you have anything to worry about. Um, I, if 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 my uh, if my thoughts are any indication of and. Uh, a lot went on, like with with justice, her questions. I thought a lot about those. Um, just agreement on terms. Um, I thought about pacifism. Um, just wondering, like I know that that's you know a word, but you know the pacifists and the, I know. See, they have this uh, set in India, and they don't believe in killing. They don't believe in killing anything, and they go to the extent of wearing a. Um, a mask over their mouth and nose so they won't accidentally breathe in insects 
I mean, that's how far they take it. You you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, so I, I was thinking about that. And, uh, and then, yeah, it was just it was very good. I mean, something that I was thinking, I was like, wow, man, you know, the pacifism thing, I was like, okay. I, I mean, I, I was wondering what, why, you know, what he was saying, and he basically boom, like, I'm a pacifist. And I was like, oh, I forgot all about that, you know what I mean? But then I, I asked myself, you know, if someone was strangling me and uh, to death, and I had a and I had a knife or a gun, you know, would I pull the trigger? You know what I mean? So, you know, that's uh, for me. It's just like a no-brainer, you know. If if it was it was you know I would I would I would pull the trigger or I would uh you know I would strike man I wouldn't let nobody take my life um so I think it was just absolutely interesting and I think it was I I, I thought about some things I hadn't thought about in a long time so yeah I don't know if that changed your mind or whatever. <laughs> It does not. <laughs> I remember my Facebook page, man. God. God. I, I mean, I just, I remember my Facebook page when he was on the program the last time. And, uh, I mean, you know, I only use Facebook for my program. Like, before the program, I had five people on my Facebook. When Dick Gregory was on the program last time, I think I had 30 comments for one post. Um I mean, and it was not all, you know, yay, that was great. Woohoo! It was not of that variety. So, yeah, I have, uh, I have cause to be a little. Well, I think, I think people should stay on task. I think people should stay on task. You know, the problem is white people. And, uh, you know, we're here to learn. We're here to learn. You know, we're still learning. And, if you know, you need to be thinking about concepts. That's, that's, that's the, that's the purpose. You know, if you focus on a non-white person, then, you know, you're not on task and you're not on point. If you're not thinking about the questions that were, you know, if you're not thinking about the grammar that was brought out, you know, in the conversation, then, you know, you're not thinking. If you're not thinking, what is it, what does it mean to be a human being? Then, I mean, I don't really know what you're thinking about, so... I would just say people need to stay on task because there's a lot to think about. Um, and 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 Dick, you know the 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 guest is. I mean that's not the focus. It, 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 it's not even interesting. That wouldn't even be an interesting. It's not even interesting to focus on that. It's not, it's not at, at all. So yeah. Problem is white people. Problem is white people. I will say for anyone, uh, if you're a new listener to the cows, I think older listeners to the cows who have heard me harp about the term fair, oh, my. <laughs> oh, my. Uh, newer listeners, that word fair, if you just if you want a clue as to how important language is, I, I was speaking with Pam uh, co-author of uh, Black Love is a Revolutionary Act, and I was telling her, I said, I see a strong correlation between people who have a more refined understanding of language and communication 
and people who are more informed about racism, white supremacy. Strong correlation. Uh, and it's because they have structured the language. I mean, the language to a large degree reveals racist code. If you need one illustration of that, that word fair, just be hypersensitive to when that word gets used because it will pop up at key points in conversations when someone is trying to really drive home something important, universal sometimes, that thing fair will pop up. Uh, just pay attention to that word. It was used quite often in this program. Every time it was used, oh, my, uh, you, you talked about paying attention to grammar, words, language, codification. Anyone who has been listening to this program, fair, that word fair, we should not be using the term fair. I'm not even critiquing. I'm just saying this program should illustrate that word fair, racist, that word works for them. It works for them. It works for them. Every time it works for them. Uh, hmm. With trepidation, I will uh, check a uh, second line. Seth? Um, mm-hmm. Um, do you know if Dick Gregory is still online? No, he is not. Oh, uh, I was just asking, just curious. He hung up uh, right when the commercial began. Ah, uh, okay. I did want to tell Justice. Uh, I did. I hope Justice. Uh, you know, don't, don't, <laughs> don't, uh, don't. Um, you, you did, you did a good job. I just wanted to say, Justice, not to, uh, not to, um, I guess, uh, zone out. I, I, I think it was a lot. I think you have a lot to. I think if I think there's a lot for you to learn in in in, in your in this particular interview that you, you know, you were interviewing and you were asking questions, and I think that uh, there are some things that you can that 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 you can learn from from uh, this this interview, and I hope that you don't miss that uh, opportunity. Doug, I, I mean, um, is it nine oh nine? Yes, ma'am. Okay. Um, I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't hear you because I got disconnected somehow. Oh, I was saying, uh, you know, you were saying that uh, stomach, you know, he he wasn't feeling very well, and I was just saying that the interview was a was a good one. You did a good job, and I just didn't want you to miss the opportunity to learn from this interview, your interview, your questions that you asked, and his answers that he gave you. I think that there's a lot for you to learn, and that. Um, in that dialogue that you had with the guest, and I, and I, I want you to think about that, and uh, because it will, it will, it will help you, and uh, because there are some things there, there are some, there are some things that that you, that you, um, I feel like you should, you should be thinking about and answering for yourself and questioning. There's a lot there just in your questions that you asked him. So, um, I guess you have some homework to do. <laughs> I think, but uh, <laughs> homework every day. Homework a, every day. <laughs> I know. I'll just give you a hint. Um, agreement on terms. Uh, to, as a hint, so that's very important. Agreement on terms. Thank you very much, and uh, I mean, like.
free algebra. Um, I mean, that, I, you know, uh, that, that is homework, but, you know, uh, countering racism is homework. I mean, you know, um, I, I think uh, everything uh, that you uh, learn is uh, homework. Learn, study, uh, read. Yeah, I think uh, that is homework. Great concept. Again, with uh, trepidation, I will check another line. A mm. uh, person that called in from Cleveland, do you have a question, comment? person that called in from Yes, sir. Yeah. I... Um. Good, good, good program. Uh, Justice, great, great questions. Um, I think this uh, goes back to my original question when I called in. Um, it was a great illustration of uh, what we need to work on. I think we need to find a way to have everybody see it for what it is, and because he agreed that. We live in a system of white supremacy. So, I don't know. That's my only thoughts for this evening. Hmm. I will ask, since I said it when he was here, and I said if a white person had been here, I would have really, um, <laughs> I would have uh, been kind of outraged. Um, I would have really made a point no. to be explicit in that contradiction of saying that I am I'm not violent, but I, yay, John Brown, uh, somebody who was violent. Um, do, do you all do you all see that as a contradiction, uh, or is, you know, am I just acting crazy? You're not crazy, but it goes back to they don't even see that he's white. He's not even white. That's oh, you know, mm. he a, he's a human at that point. Mm. They're not calling him white no more. Whenever you find these good white people, that's when you get this human thing come out. And I, and I see it every, and I see it every day. And, and like I said, with my conversations, that's what it, that's what it turned into. And it, this is a, a great, great shot of that because he, he even starts talking about the humane society, and, and I don't know. I, I would even go with that for a second, but it's like, it's about the violence. I think it's, I can't even say that it's that they don't see that he's white. I think if he was not white. He wouldn't be John Brown. Like he wouldn't be human. He wouldn't be seen as. Uh, I'm just thinking this out loud. I don't think he would be seen as you know the great figure um, if he wasn't white. I th- Nat Turner, like uh, Nat Turner, and this is not. This is a general trend. This is just a general. I'm not talking about Dick Gregory. This is across the board where you hear people come on this program. John Brown, John Brown, John Brown, John Brown, Nat Turner. Crickets. I would have my had my sound effects. The crickets would be there. That is not, you know, that is the system. That is the system code. Yay, John Brown. Nothing about Nat Turner. Um, I mean, that's just glaring to me. I mean, glaring example of white supremacy. Same thing we said about looters. If you want a glaring illustration, black people can do something and white people can do something. Same thing. 
exact same behavior, it would be looked at totally different. Totally different. I said, if you want another illustration, Nat Turner, John Brown. And it, it, it and it always that's what I'm that's what I was saying. It always is looked at differently, and they don't see anything wrong with that. They don't they don't even cause that yeah because he he didn't even until he realized it at the end of the conversation, and I think that's why he hung up because he saw it too. Yeah, I agree. Um. I agree with you, Gus. Anytime that you have, um, I agree with what you said. Uh, anytime you have a conversation with someone and in a dialogue, and there's contradictions, contradictions, you know, contradictions don't stand. It's just, uh, um, uh, and there were a lot of contradictions. So I can see where, you know, yeah, if that if that was a white person, you know. It would have been totally different. I was, you know, even 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 the way I thought about the um, dialogue would have been different. I'm a bit, you know, so yeah, this per- person's deceiving me, you know, trying to deceive me. Well, you know, that's it. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a contradiction. Yeah, it was a lot of contradictions, man. It was some good points that he made, and I th- and what I, I think a, a confused, um, more confused uh, victim. Um, when they caught that, they, they, I don't know, that might have confused them even more. Man, that is, whew, I don't want to, you know, I got to be careful what I say, but that's, that is interesting. I'll just leave it there. I wouldn't have caught that before. I wouldn't have paid attention to that at all. Like, uh, white person, non-white person, they came and said, I'm all about nonviolence. I'm all about nonviolence. Let's sing about John Brown. I wouldn't have caught that at all. Um, but I mean, that's just glaring. It's glaring. Like, uh, if that had been a white person, that, like the interview would have had to stop right there. Like we would have had to, uh, you know, acknowledge like this, this is, you know, we're kind con- we got some contra logical fallacies. As you're saying. <laughs> like, uh, we got to get a different hero. Can't be John Brown. Can't be John Brown. Exactly. He is um, to be repudiated. If that's the case, you feel what I'm saying? He is, he is the last person that you want to mention think about. Like he's at the bottom of the barrel, you know. I mean, he's the, he's the guy that you bring out when you, you know, what not to do, you know. Uh, along with Nat, uh, you know Nat Turner, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard. I mean, it's hard. Like, uh, if that had been a white person, I really would have. I would. It would have been more like Dr. Trepanier if a white person had come on here and made a comment uh, like that. I mean, it would have been, uh, you know, it would have been some sparks on the cows. <laughs> I guess it was anyway. But uh, you know, yeah. Anyway. Um, Victim, victim, victim. Uh, man. Oh, man. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, man. I'm, uh, I'm having a tough time. I'm having a tough time. We should just end the call because it's not going to go anywhere. It's just going to be, you know, it's not going to get any better. Unless you all have something else to talk about. If you have something other than Dick Gregory uh, to talk about, like, I just don't see how it's going to get any better. It'll just be, yeah. Right. 
<sighs> At any rate, I'll say this while I'm deciding or being indecisive. Uh, I hope people listen. If you did not hear yesterday's broadcast on the murder of James Byrd Jr., I hope you listen to that program. I think it will give you better context for this discussion um, and just having a better grasp of the details of what happened in this case. Um, he, may, I think he did say that you know if we if we throw out white supremacy and I, I mean you just I don't think that's possible in this case. Um, you know the perpetrators had a tattoo of a a black male being lynched. Uh, one of them. I mean, uh, I mean if if we take white supremacy out, this we don't have a case. We don't have a case. As I told him, we would not have been talking this evening if we take if we remove racism, white supremacy. That that's the name for the program. If you want an illustration of why this program is named the context of white supremacy, I used to have so many conversations with non-white people and they would do that. They would say, let's throw racism out. And that is just not possible. Like, uh, you know, what planet are you on? What universe are you on? That is just not possible. We are saturated in white supremacy. It is, I mean, we can't even have a logical uh, conversation. We can't have a logical, accurate conversation that will make sense if we ignore racism, white supremacy. Um, that's, I used to run into that every time. And I, that would be my fishing pole, like to reel it back in, like, wait a minute, in the context of white supremacy. And I mean, so many times that would end the conversation because once we recognize racism, it was just like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> you already know what it is. I already know what it is. It's white people. Like it made conversations so much shorter. Like it got to, uh, it got to a point back of the bus and myself, we used to, uh, just do a fade out. <laughs> just be like context of white supremacy. You could just fade out. Like you will you don't even have to say anything else. Blame white. That's it. White people are the problem. Nothing else need be said. <sighs> Talking to be indecisive, man. Um, I almost I don't really even want to talk about that crap anymore because it's just it's not going to go anywhere constructive. I just don't want to set a precedent of talking bad about victims, even though I do think there's many constructive things. He said he said things that I agreed with. Uh, obviously, I didn't agree with everything. Uh, I do think there are a lot of things that can be learned from this program. Um, yeah, I just I'm not I'm just not interested in talking bad about a victim. Uh, hmm. I'll see what Pam has to say. Uh, Pam, do you have any comments? Um, do you have anything not Dick Gregory related? <laughs> Over here saying, "Come on, Gus, we'll be good. We'll be good. We'll, be good. <laughs> we'll behave ourselves." Uh, the only comment I have is something that Neely Fuller said, and this could apply to any show that you've done, including this one. And that is, if you don't understand how white supremacy works, everything else that you think you understand will only confuse you. And I would just leave it at that. Well said. Well said. Codified. Codified. Now, can we talk about them? <laughs> 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 can I just add one little thing? And that is that we're all human beings. Amen. And we're going to have reactions. And I hate to think, I mean, I agree with you that it is more constructive for us not to bash him. I totally understand that. But I don't think it's constructive to tell people they don't have a right to have the feelings. I'm not saying you're saying that. But I don't think it's correct to tell people, you know, um, that they don't have the emotions. Because we all kind of know what we were all thinking, listening to it. And I, I don't think it's constructive to bash them. So I, I, I do agree with you there. 
but I do think it's normal and natural to say, stop it. <laughs> okay, that's all I have to say before I misbehave. And, I mean, this is to be expected. You know, this this should kind of be codified. Um, okay. I'm trying to think if I had to grade, if I had to grade, this would be pretty high. Like, <laughs> this would be pretty high. Like, if I had to give marks, if I'm, I'm trying to be objective, that's another one where they would normally say that F word, F-A-I-R. If I'm trying to be objective, uh, as objective as I can be, yeah. uh I couldn't say any lower than a C, and this might even be a B, um, to talk where you know there's going to be a difference of opinion with a victim. I would have to say, if I'm being objective, talking to a victim that I have concluded is very white identified, mm-hmm. that's not bad. Like, uh, that's not too bad. Like, I think it could have been a lot worse. I think it could have been a lot. And I think some of that, if you just can be quiet, um, that's something that I try to do off. I use my mute button a lot this program. Um, yeah, if you feel like it's it's kind of going where it could be non-constructive or what have you, I try to start saying less uh, at that point. Um, yeah, because I feel like if it if it looks like it's getting hostile, people are upset, people are not maybe not being heard, or there's disagreement. You know, maybe we should talk about something else or you know whatever. So I try to say less <laughs> if it looks like. Uh, things are not going in the most constructive way. Um, but yeah, I don't think this was that bad. I don't think uh, I didn't do any cursing. <laughs> um, yeah, no cursing. That's another reason. May I have I appreciate Mr. Fuller's uh, code, and I can tell this is someone who spent time in what they call the armed forces because uh, doing the sir and just being uh, courteous on a constant basis in a very regimented manner, it is very helpful because when it does become a time where you are upset and things are a little more rowdy, if you just become regimented about being courteous, often that will carry over so that you, I mean, it just becomes second nature to say, to be courteous, being more courteous just becomes second nature. I've seen where that pays off a lot. So I would definitely say, uh, try not to curse, (laughs) not to curse. I think, uh, I think when you get upset, I mean, there are going to be times in discussions of racism and white supremacy, there are going to be times where you are a little more upset, a little more emotional uh, than you would be, a little more excited, a little more anxious, a little more nervous than you would normally be. You can't always predict when those times will be. Um, but if you are in a habit of being courteous, not cursing, making an effort to not interrupt people, just being very courteous when you discuss and present on racism, white supremacy, I found that that, a lot of that will carry over so that even when you are a little more riled up, when the discussion is a little more heated, you still will be pretty uh, pretty courteous. Uh, and I found that to be very helpful. So He seemed to calm down when you called him sir, because I think he felt he was being respected. So yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, it, it's helpful to, if you want to have a communication with a person to make them think, even if you don't respect their opinion, that you do respect their right to, to have an opinion. Uh, and the only other thing I would add is you should have more white people on the show so we can get rowdy. <laughs> 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 I'll not. listen from this point out. Yeah, please, have more white people. So all this self-control is killing me. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, thank you. 
You know, well, that's when you need the most self-control is with white people. I mean, woof, you do not want to have no self-control there. You definitely need discipline with uh, Timothy and the gang. But, uh, yeah, white person will be here tomorrow. Sorry, you said? I said a white person will be here tomorrow. You know, I was thinking, I was like, man, am I, um, you know, I'm against violence, but for a minute, I always had to, I even asked myself, was I, was I, was I, you know, was I a violent person? <laughs> I don't know why I felt like that, because, but for a minute there, I was like, you know, I, I don't, I don't like violence. I mean, I, I grew up around a lot of violence and stuff, and I really don't like violence. But for a minute there, I was thinking, dang, man, I'm, I must be, I'm, I felt like a, I don't know, I had to ask myself, Am I some type of violent maniac or something? Because uh, <laughs> I don't know if you guys uh, understand what I'm saying, but yeah. I, I, but then I, I had to check myself. Like, no, nah, that's not. I don't like violence. You know what I'm saying? I ain't trying to be no murder lunatic. But uh, there is a time to kill. You know what I find interesting is uh, the people that have taught us to turn the other cheek and be meek and all this other stuff are the same people who are not practicing, and they're ahead and we're behind. So I have to question. I'm not in favor of violence. I don't provoke, promote or provoke or I don't like violence. Violence is, is sickening to me. But I don't trust the aspect of what black people have learned through the Christian church because of who taught it to us, the same people that never practice it. And so I... You know, I think when violence is necessary, you have to do what you have to do. But I don't think that should be the first response, and that certainly shouldn't be an unplanned response. But, uh, again, I'm not promoting it. I'm just simply saying that where do black people get this from, this meek shall inherit the earth, turn the other cheek? Where do we get it from, the people who had us in chains? I just have a problem with that. So I'll get off and, uh, you know, um, let some other callers, you know, if you're going to take any more. So I'll just listen at this point. Thank you. Yeah, for me, it's a misunderstanding because just what I just said is not true. <laughs> I said I don't like violence, and and that's not really true. I mean, I'm I I I'm, I fight. Uh, I, I train fighters, and uh, it's not that I don't like violence. I don't like injustice. I think that would be more accurate. Hmm. I don't like injustice. I don't like. That's what I don't like, and that's that's what I've seen. That was too, you know, too far too much injustice, and that's what it is. Justice unjust. Because I have no problem really with violence. I have to be honest with you. Uh, like I said, I think it's a mis misdiagnosis. Um, where we just say, "Oh, violence. Oh, that's wrong." Blah blah blah. But then, like I said, that's that's not correct. What I just said there. What I don't like is injustice. What I hate is injustice. Mm. Man, <laughs> I think uh, every organism supports violence uh, at some point in time. Like, I think it is um, – I'm just making flat statements. I could be incorrect. I think it would be a mental illness for an organism to be totally opposed to violence at all times, totally. Uh, and I would have to think real hard <laughs> to even come up. Dick Gregory, according to his own testimony, is not totally for nonviolence. If he was, John Brown 
So even he recognizes that at some times, violence can be celebrated. He sung his song two times on this program. So even Dick Gregory is not totally, <laughs> totally committed to not. I, I don't know anybody who is totally. I don't know any organ. That's what I'm saying. I think it would be a mental illness. I don't know how you could survive uh, in this environment and be totally against violence. I mean, it's just not possible. May, and that might not be what he's saying, but I mean, to say you're nonviolent, but then John Brown, I mean, yeah. Great codification. It's about unjust, the injustice, the injustice, the injustice. Mm. I was actually thinking, too, about animals, you know. I, I just think that um, I think that for us all, if we're not willing to think and and um, refine or, or or just be more codified, then we do ourselves a disservice. Um, you know, I just checked myself right there uh, with the violence thing, but Gus might have said something about that. You know. Whatever, but uh, it was just a lot of um, words and terms that were so that were contradictory. But if you try to point them out, and then you get offended because you know this reason or that reason, you know it's like, man, you know that's you might not really believe what you think you believe. <laughs> you know, at the end of the day, or or there's something that. You know, because you, when you said that, oh, I'm sorry, I guess we're talking about Dick Gregory, but I hope, hope it's constructive. But when you said that, um, you said, man, you know, you've been a pacifist for, you know, a long time, like longer than I've been alive. That's a long time not to have your, 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 your it's a long, I mean, it's a long time not to, uh, it's a long time to have that so-called view, that philosophy, that concept, and not have even looked at John Brown and said, you know, wait a minute, (laughs) this dude was a killer, or, or he had the intent to kill. I mean, that's a long time for that not to... I'm sorry, somebody said something? Wow, it wasn't me. Oh, yeah, I just... Wasn't me. Man, that's a long... Oh. (laughs) You understand? That's a long time to have that type of uh, philosophy. And if it's... I mean, man, I'm just thinking, like, you know, I'm supposed to be getting stronger and stronger in my codification, you know, and it, it hasn't been that long. But, uh... You know, so if you're if you're a certain way for for a very long time, that should have been dealt with, you know, year twenty. I don't know. I mean, thirty. Uh, I'm sorry. That, that goes back to uh, yeah, that goes back to uh, Doctor uh, Cambon with the uh, deer and the wolves. Um, Jeff? Yes, ma'am? Um, 
you, uh, what was the, uh, I, I believe it was a female, um, she was on the program not too long ago, and, uh, she was from, uh, Australia, uh, do you know what her name was? I forgot. Dr. Ann Patel Gray. She's a black female, correct? I'm confused. <laughs> um, she's she's non-white. She did use the term black, but uh, she used the term black when she was talking with us. Um, yeah, I'm a little confused because it seemed like they. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She said she was a black person. Yes. Okay. Was okay. Anne Patel Gray. Is that correct? Doctor Anne Patel Gray. Yes, ma'am. Okay. I thought of Dr. Cambon and the uh, Deer and the Wolves as well, um, which is on yesterday's program. I told you all, if you listen to yesterday's program, bing, you should be right on time. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought of Dr. Cambon and the, the self-preservation button. Our self-preservation button has been turned. I was almost going to write that in the chat room. I was almost going to write that in the chat room. I'll check uh Rise Heru. Rise Heru, I'll check you and uh Mini B I'll check uh <laughs> I'll be so glad fifteen minutes and we'll be done. Out of here and uh yeah, we prep for tomorrow's program. Rise Heru and Mini B, did you all have anything you wanted to share? Greetings, Gus and Justice and all the other callers and listeners. I wanted to say a couple things. Can I be heard? Yes, ma'am. Okay. I wanted to say um, thank you, Gus, for uh, doing the program last night and tonight. And you were courteous, and um, I heard the contradiction. And um, I know my, my stomach has been in a knot since the program last night and I just want to appreciate you for for doing it, getting through it and and continuing on um, Justice I appreciated all of your questions I, I wished um, Mr. Gregory could have um, answered them and one of the things that one of the most constructive things that I got out of tonight was that um, I'm feeling, listening to this program, um, how I have felt when speaking with non-white elders about their history or the civil rights movement. And while they want to lecture, they want to lecture, they they seem resistant with answering present time questions and I found Mr. Gregory's response much like um, some other elders that I've just wanted I've been wanting to know and thinking they had information and they get upset and I just wondered if you know other people had experienced something like that or similar in trying to just learn from elders 
about, you know, history or where they are now or, you know, how they feel about racism and white supremacy. And one of the last things I wanted to ask you was, are you fundraising this month? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you. (laughs) I'll be 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 sure to... (laughs) <laughs> up my percentage because you have been earning it. <laughs> and I encourage everybody to invest in the cows, please, because Gus is working hard and justice too. But do you have any thoughts about speaking to elderly non-white people about racism, white supremacy? Mm. Um, so they get hostile around codified language. Um, many vic- that's true for many many victims. <laughs> Unfortunately, that is that is many victims. Um, I don't know. It it has been my experience that many older it's <laughs> it's been my experience that many older victims, uh, after a certain amount of time uh, and abuse. To be more accurate, after a certain amount of victimization, molestation, terrorism, and abuse from white people, uh, you just get to a point where you are just trying to survive with as minimal victimization as possible. Uh, And you have mental illness uh, by that point. And Mm -hmm. so I've found that, you know, older victims, um, often it is not as constructive for me to speak with them because – they're not at a point where they can speak honestly about white supremacy. They have sustained so much victimization because they've been here so long. They've seen so much. Uh, many older people, they had, they experienced a much more intense, a much more violent and in-your-face version of white supremacy. Um, in fact, Mr. Fuller, I spoke with him last week. That was another one of my very hard moments to get through this month. And he said uh, – there are moments that there are things that he cannot talk about. This he's written two books on codification. I've never heard him say like uh, he had a difficult time talking about something to do with white supremacy. And he said there are things that I just I can't talk about. I can't think about. I have to put it out of my mind. And I mean that is mental illness right there. When you have to start blocking things out, that's mental illness. Uh, and he said uh, because it is so painful and it makes me so angry. And he said, there's tons of black people. And he told me a story. He said there was a black female that one day she just started laughing and laughing and laughing. And he said, uh, I mean, anyway, um, I've just found, the victimization has been so intense that I've found it's not as constructive for me to speak to many older victims. Uh, that's why I got to catch them when they're young. You got to catch them before uh, white people begin to do too much damage. I. I agree, and I and this has taught me a couple of uh, has reaffirmed for me that um, we need to be writing our stories down now. We need to be writing down what we know because health have it will will be old. <laughs> we'll become old victims, and um, it's, it's good to write down what we know and uh, about the system of racism, white supremacy, so that. When young when youngins come talking and asking questions, we can 
we got information to give them without uh, mental illness and victimization, you know, coming forward. Does that make sense? That makes sense. I think that uh, that makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, 818 and Rise Rue, uh, your lines are open. Oh, got some background noise. Got some background noise. Got some, oh, uh, 818, there's a little bit of background noise. I, I'm still going to get you. But uh, Rise Rue, your line is open. Did you have anything you wanted to share? Uh, yeah, I just wanted to uh, agree with, with the other caller said and uh, uh, commend, commend you all on the program. And uh, Justice, you did a great job. Uh, I was also taken back to what uh, Dr. Cambon said about the uh, self-preservation button being off uh, when Mr. Gregory made the uh, the analogy of uh, getting shot before he himself uh, shoots someone else. Uh, and that also took me uh, back to what Mr. Fuller says in the code book that uh, victims uh, who came into contact with, you know, smart white supremacists uh, accepted uh, survival over justice, and I think that that's uh, in effect heavily. That's all I want to say. Eight one eight. Hi. Uh, there are some questions that. I had in my mind while Mr. Gregory was talking that I would have liked to ask him. I don't, he might not have liked it, but some regarding some of the contradictions, um, it confuses me at times when I hear people quote the Bible and quote Jesus and talk about nonviolence. And when he was talking about the Passover lamb, I wasn't making the connection because that was something with the lamb and sacrifice. It didn't have anything necessarily to do with people or crime or justice. And I, I just I wanted to ask him how he rectified his position of uh, no one should be killed for any reason when the very same God in that Bible calls for a death penalty for those who murder other people. Not necessarily, you know, manslaughter, accidental killings, but if you outright murder somebody, like what happened in Mr. Bird's case, it calls for a death penalty. So I don't know, I guess that, that that's confusing to me when I hear people make that argument or take that stance and then quote the Bible. And I also wondered if Mr. Gregory had children or family to protect, would he allow someone else to come in and kill them as well and not fight to defend them? He said yes. You know, in order to save their lives with that rule of self-preservation. He said yes. He said that on the program, if someone killed his children. He would allow that? Yep, he would not use violence. He would not respond with. I heard that. Did you all hear that, or am I the only one? I thought he said oh, that. Oh, on the on the first program, right? Yeah. I today, that. I heard that today. I thought he oh. said that today. That if uh, someone killed his children, he would not respond with. Was I the only one that heard that? No, I heard that as well. Okay. Yeah, he said that today. Same here. Right on. So, Thank you. So, if someone is coming in your home with guns or with knives and they're attempting to rape your wife or your daughter. I can't imagine how you defend that, how you defend them from violence without using violence. I mean, you just say stop. Like, is that a reasonable defense? Because anything where you engage with them in physical contact, you're going to have to use force. That would be considered violence. 
I just I don't see the constructive value in that if you're going to survive. I think if if that was the way that we were, we probably would uh, all have been dead generations ago because there would have been nobody even, you know, taking a position to fight for their lives. And if we don't value our own lives enough to fight to protect it, why should anybody else? You know, when it's being threatened. I think it's just part of that training that that the slaves got and the black people got through the Christian religion. That was uh, somebody else will take care of it for you. I don't even see the logic in that Because even in that we sat and watched each other die Nobody came and saved us from death out of the sky If we look in the Bible Israel had an army, did they not? <laughs> I think they used to pray for directions Seek God for directions when it was time to go to war <laughs> They had an army War means violence It's all part of the mental illness yeah. That that Gus speaks about. I mean, you know, our our circumstances have been such that our natural instincts have been um, have been affected. So, I guess people in the survival mode come up with all kinds of rationalizations for why they endured what they endured. Um, I think I think for a lot of older black people, it's very painful to acknowledge they were treated that way and they couldn't do anything about it. So I think they just kind of resort to rationalizations as to why, you know, whatever happened there. I did want to make an, an observation. Uh, this, uh, I think this is important. Now, I have been complaining about people being lazy and not pressing star eight to ask questions. Neely Fuller Jr. was on. We had more callers on when Neely Fuller Jr. was on uh, than we do right now. And the phone line was not lit up like it is now. To me, that suggests something about this is incorrect. Because, um, I mean, yeah, it's just people were very lazy about Star 8 when there was no opportunity to point out, you know, or disagree with another victim. Now that if there's another victim to focus on, a lot of people, you know, have comments. I just... uh Something about that suggests this is not not correct because um, it really should be the it really should be when a white person calls in there should be this sort of you know vigor and enthusiasm to call in and get at a white person uh, anytime Tim Wise is on a program this should be the response like you know I can because I mean you talk about contradictions and logical fallacies nobody has got more than white people especially when they're talking about racism I mean if you thought Dick Gregory says some things that you wanted to challenge. Go listen to Tim Wise. Go listen to Dr. Uh, what is it, Barbara Trepanier, Peggy McIntosh, any of them that have been on uh, Robert Jensen to th- tell you that uh, a slave cannot give consent anytime a slave master has sex with a slave. It's rape. Thomas Jefferson raped Sally Hemings. Walk you through the logic. Bang, 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 bang. Are non-white people in a state of slavery? Yes, absolutely. Obviously was his response. Obviously. Oh, so if that's true, if non-white people are in a state of slavery in relation to white people, they shouldn't have sex with white people, right? Oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't say that. White people are the kings and queens of logical fallacies, contradictions, deception. 
to this sort of response when we have white people on the program, this is the sort of response there should be. Or if we have Mr. Fuller on and he's taking questions, I would I would hope it would be, you know, this many this many hands up to make uh comments or ask questions. Gus, I do have another question I'd like to ask you. Um, regarding the word fair <laughs> I messaged you. I didn't hear back from you, but uh, I know someone, a, a black male, who uses that word like to the point that it, it drives me nuts. And I don't want to get into conflict with him over the word. Um, can you point me back or tell me which month it was last year that I can go back to where you did a program explaining how that's incorrect? And I know it had to be sometime before the irritated genie. Um, you can, yeah, I mean, if you just want solid code, you can get, uh, Mr. Fuller did a program, um, in either April or March of this year where he, uh, I read directly from his new word guide. He has like a whole page on the word fair. And I think I read the whole page from the word guide. And then he gave, you know, about a 10 or 15 minute response as to why that term is incorrect, how it supports white supremacy. Um, it's, it's either March or April of this year. Um, you could even, you could even just sound clip that. I'll make you a sound clip. I'll sound clip that. So you can just email him an MP3. Thank you. And for the record, I called. I did call, but uh, I was not able to speak with you. Went, okay, thank you. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was doing my research. Uh, for this program, a white person did a documentary film on the murder of James Byrd. Uh, she's, I believe she resides in the area of the world known as Belgium, Congo. We were just talking about the Congo. Um, and she came to the States to do a documentary film on the South, quote unquote. And she got here at the time of the uh, James Byrd Jr. murder. And she learned about it and decided she was going to do a documentary film on that instead. And uh, it is, man, um, she doesn't even really talk. It, it reminds me of Spike Lee, like when he does documentaries and you don't hear him, you don't see him. He's just kind of doing his thing. And she's just filming the people. And uh, she, she talked to a black, you talk about some of these older black females, older victims, excuse me. Um, but she talks to this older black female. She looks like she's got to be over 70. And she's a resident in this town, Jasper, Texas. And she says, uh, yeah, you know, I'm just I'm so thankful that things are better now. And uh, we've moved along. We've come such a long way. And I remember we were growing up my time. You know, young people don't know anything about this, but we lived here and white people would just come and stick a for sale side on your land, like right in front of your house and say, you know, this has been sold. Get out, nigger. She left that out, but I'm sure that had to be there. Uh, and she said, you know, they would just come and, and just throw you out with nothing. Like they would just take your house, take your land. Uh, they would come if, if the black people had gardens and they farmed, they would come and tear down the fences and let animals come through and eat up all their food, eat up all their crops, uh, take what they wanted. Uh, just, you know, you're nothing, absolutely nothing. And she said she remembers this was, you know, this was just regular. You just knew that, you know, this sort of thing could happen. Any time, and there was nothing you could do about it. 
and she said, you know, I own my house now and things are so much better and, you know, I'm just, I'm, I'm happy things are better. And she has her uh, grandchildren around, one of them very young, like younger than four, uh, sitting around and it was, uh, phew, man, it was, uh, it was pretty close to moment number five. It was pretty tough. It was pretty tough. And in the context, this discussion is taking place in the context of James Byrd Jr. has just been drugged to death. Um, yeah, the na- if you want to check it out, the name of the documentary is uh, Sued, S-U-D. Um, I forgot the author's name. I'll put it on my Facebook page. I'll, I'll put it on my fa- She might come on the program. I uh, made a call today, and uh, she might come on the program. So you'll hear more about it, hopefully, from her um, white person. For- and we can ask her about the Congo, too. We have two, uh, three minutes left in the program. Uh, three minutes left in the program. Do you plan on doing any more shows or programs on uh, conflict between victims as far as uh, communicating more efficiently, minimizing conflict? I'm just running into it a lot lately. Sure. We can do that. We can do that. We can do that. I'd appreciate it. <laughs> this might not be the uh, – this program might not be the best illustration of it. Although I think there are some moments where, you know – I take that back. There are some moments that I think are pretty good illustrations of what you can do, um, compensatory conversation control, things you can do to uh, to uh, reduce conflict with other victims. Well, I find that most of the um, dialogue between those of us, you know, who call in here regularly pretty much is courteous and constructive, but I guess my challenge is when I am speaking with victims who, are, who don't listen to the cows, and I would say are are more confused. It's difficult to maintain that same level of courtesy. And there are times when I'm trying to share, you know, information that I've learned from listening to the cows or from Mr. Um, Fuller and things like that. And the person that I particularly have most of the conflict with, they say, oh, you know, I've learned from uh, Dr. John Henry Clark and this person. So their attitude is I know all about it. I've seen it. And I try to explain to them it's different listening to other victims than listening to it and studying it when you listen to white people. But I don't know, for some reason, I guess they think they already know everything I know and what I'm going to say. So we have a lot of conflict in that area, and I'm, I'm trying to get to the point where I'm more courteous and more patient because it, it drives me nuts. But we, we have a lot of conflict, and I, I guess I'm trying to work on being more patient, Um learning when to just hold back and not say anything, how to communicate effectively and maybe bring across new things. Because I've, I've tried to send some MP3s and stuff before. It doesn't seem like they listen to any of them. And they usually, like, they play devil's advocate. Like, they always present the white person's point of view to me as if I haven't heard it before, and that agitates me, too. Uh <laughs> 
we will make this uh, another program for a conflict with victims and uh yeah we'll try to codify that we'll make a program for that and we'll uh, see if we can come up with suggestions um because that's yeah, that's a skill we all need to work on. We'll we'll schedule that for July, and uh, you can if you have input, certain things you want to cover, uh, you can shoot me an email, and uh, we'll make sure we put that like right out like a, a itinerary for what we're going to bring up in the program. Okay. Okay. Um, thank you. For sure. For sure. EbonyNewsChannel.blogspot.com. EbonyNewsChannel.blogspot.com. Um, thank you all for tuning into the broadcast. Uh, the Uploads. If you download the program, you should wait um, like two hours because I upload the better quality audio. Um, so if you wait, you'll get the better quality audio. The sound should be great uh, when you uh, listen to it. Uh, if the sound is not good, just wait a little while and get the quality version. Just give me two hours from the conclusion and it should be up. I wanted to read this quote because uh, I believe John Wayne was mentioned during this program. And I just wanted to read this as a quote from uh, John Wayne. You can find it on the Internet. Uh, With a lot of blacks, there's quite a bit of resentment along with their dissent. And possibly rightfully so. But we can't all of a sudden get down on our knees and turn everything over to the leadership of the blacks. I believe in white supremacy until blacks are educated to a point of responsibility. That is not codified. I'm reading it verbatim. I believe in white supremacy until blacks are educated to a point of responsibility. I'll, uh, I'll end there. John Wayne. John Wayne. Context of white supremacy. Replace white supremacy with justice as soon as possible. We'll be back tomorrow a white person live from Australia. Cows signing out. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over a hundred casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.